Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a football Friday. We are geared up for BYU and Arizona State, Utah and San Diego State, Utah State and Air Force. It's a huge Saturday night of college football. Football will start at 5 o'clock and go till midnight with those three games with the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies. And Weber State with a big game of their own because they got James Madison. That's number three versus number nine in the championship subdivision. They're playing in Ogden, six o'clock Saturday night. So there's a lot going on. We're going to start this morning with a Cougar, Lorenzo Fautea, as the Cougars get ready for the Sun Devils, a battle of nationally ranked two and O teams. Here's Lorenzo with the media. Hey, Lorenzo. I was just wondering if maybe you could share with me um, your favorite Tom Homo story or just what he means to you? <laughs> my my favorite Tom Homo story um, was in 2017. Fall camp, he talked to us as a team. And uh, the story was interesting. I'm going to just leave it at that. But that was, that was the first time, actually, I was introduced to Tom Homo because I was a freshman. But that story was, that's that's probably like a, an in-house story that everybody who's here knows about it. So I'm going to just leave it at that. And what just makes him so lovable to the community, to the fan base, to the players? What makes Tom Homo who he is? Um, He really cares about um, the players. And it's not just football with all the sports here. He really cares about uh, all of us, and he really puts us first. And he thinks about things that we need to do or, or what we need and – I think that's what makes him more lovable. He actually like he participates in all all of the sporting events. He um, Halloween he dresses up as a different character and he goes all out and it just it just sets the tone for everybody here, especially in the athletic department. Hey Jared, and then Jay. So I imagine the team has seen Lopa's post game interview that's become famous after the Utah game. What's been the team reaction to what Lopez said? <laughs> um, for those who are in the YSA ward, they, they confirmed that he actually went to church the next day. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, they actually – we saw him at treatment too the, the, uh, the next day on Sunday, and he was going to, to church right after treatment. So uh, we just made sure he, he stuck to his word. <laughs> I, I want to ask about that just a little bit because it's such a big win. You know, the, the, you know, to, the, the idea is, oh, you know, you get to celebrate all of Sunday. And a lot of teams work a lot on Sunday, do a lot of work, and that's not BYU's way. Do you view that as a positive? Does that help you guys that Sunday is treated differently? Um, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, the coaches always talk about life of um, a life of balance, especially Kalani and Toyaki. On, for me, on the defensive side, they always um, emphasize a life of balance and how we need to be with our families on Sunday. Um, he always talks about even when we win or when we lose, that we always be with our families after the game. Um, <clears throat> Sundays, we go to church and we worship our Heavenly Father and we still come in. We still come into BYU and on campus to get uh, treatment for our bumps and bruises from the game. So it's kind of like a work day, but it's not. We're coming in and taking care of our bodies and making sure that it's right for the next week. And we also get to um, take a day off and worship and get away from football for a little bit and just be with our families. 
Jay, you're up uh, next. Lorenzo, what impact do you think BYU joining the Big 12 will have on in-state recruits that maybe had multiple offers, including other Power 5 offers? And recently, a lot of those kids have been going outside of Utah or been going away from BYU. What do you think this will do to that young generation growing up of, uh, of recruits? Um, I think it'll be big for us, um, especially for the recruits. Um, being in a big power five, it's, um, it shows that we can hang in there with the big dogs and actually show that we are a P5 school. Even when we were independent, um, we try to like emphasize that, that we worked as a P5 school. We, our system was going through as a P5 school. So I think being officially named as a big 12 school could help out a lot and show uh, the recruits that we are a big time school and that we all, that we can hang in with um, everybody else in the conference. Thanks. All right, let's go Mitch and then Jake. Yeah, so uh, what what will you and maybe other upperclassmen do to ensure that your teammates are are showing that razor sharp focus that Kalani uh, alluded to earlier for this week, like you did against Utah? Um, I think it's just the same mindset that we did going into Utah um, transfer transfers over to this week. Um, we, we emphasize that we're taking it week by week um, one game at a time. And that um, as long as we do like our small and simple things as the team and individually, I think our, our sharpness and our focus will be the exact same or even increased for this week's game. Um, I think for us upperclassmen as well, we just, we kind of just echo off of what Kalani says and what Kalani gives us is what we echo off to the team. And from there on, it's our whole system is working and flowing right. A couple of years ago, I remember there was a former player who was one of your teammates who said you guys, he felt like you guys play better on the road than you do at home. But as of late, the last couple of years, you guys have been great at home. What do you feel has been the biggest change now compared to maybe early in your career at BYU on the home games? Um, I think, um, it's just, uh, I would say it's just a different mindset going into it from just the belief of Kalani to the players, to the fan base and everything that we've been putting out, um, being at home has been definitely, especially from last week has been definitely like we feel comfortable even in away games. We feel comfortable, the fan base. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I can think about right now. Lorenzo, you guys have been very effective in getting after the quarterback this year so far through two games. Is there something special you guys are doing, or is it just finally it's coming together? Uh, all praises to Tuyaki. Um, the game plan that we had, um, as players, we just we just executed correctly, and we, we, we trusted in the game plan that we had and the plays that we're going into and the calls that were being made. We never questioned once of why well, we were calling this, we're calling that. We, we, we kind of just executed whatever Duyaki called and it, yeah, it works. Um, pressure on the QE, it works, blitzes, everything that we've been doing is just trusting in each other and trusting in what we we're supposed to do as a team. What do you know about Arizona State? They got a pretty high level quarterback in Jaden Daniels, but what do you know about the Sun Devils? They're a good team. Um, I was actually watching their highlights against UNLV. Um, they're a pretty good team, and uh, they got a good quarterback. The quarterback's long. He's lengthy. He can run. He can throw. So 
um, I ex- I'd, I'd expect them to give us their, their best shine. We'll give them our best shot. So it'll be a good game this Saturday. All right, last two questions, Shep and then Sean. Staying with Arizona State, looking at their production in the first two games, most of their offensive numbers have come on the ground. And I know stopping the run is always a key in every game. Has it become even more important when you look at the numbers that they put up on the ground? Yeah, I mean, it'd probably just be the same that how we um, prepared for every week and every team is uh, uh, stopping the run, of course, especially for me and the defensive line. Um, Stopping the run has always been an an emphasis every week, but this week we'll take it as we prepared for the past two weeks and we'll do our best to stop the run and to cover our best in just all phases of the game on defense. Zoe, I want to follow up with, with one sentence that you just said a, a moment ago. You said all praises to Tuiaki. Do you feel like Coach E is a little bit underappreciated or maybe has been a little bit underappreciated, whether it's among the fan base or, or somewhere out there? And do you feel like he's getting to be a little more appreciated with what you guys have been able to do the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, I felt like he is being underappreciated from the past years. Um, but... Tiaki, we just all trust in him and everything that he does and what he calls. And um, but Tiaki is a guy who doesn't, you know, like he doesn't doesn't care if he's appreciated or if he's underappreciated. He's just a guy who does his job, and um, he's a player's coach as well. He listens to the players, and we listen to him. And our system has been working, and we just. A whole defensive side, we all trust in Tuyaki and the rest of our coaches. There's Lorenzo Palateo talking BYU football. Coming up next, you're going to hear from Utah quarterback Charlie Brewer and running back Makai Bernard, as well as Matt Ortiz, who has the Sons of Montezuma podcast and covers San Diego State. That's next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a disappointing loss in the Holy War, the Utes look to rebound as they hit the road to square off against an old Mountain West Conference rival in San Diego State. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Weaver State fans, your ninth-ranked football team takes on number three-ranked James Madison this Saturday, September 18th, 6 p.m., Purchase your tickets now at WeberStateSports.com or by calling 801-626-8500. That's a huge game. James Madison routinely a semifinalist. Well, they're talking about them moving up. They are. I read a story about the dominoes with the... First, the SEC makes their move. Then the Big 12 makes their move. And where is the American Athletic going to go? And James Madison was talked about moving up and maybe taking a big jump up. They were talking about how much they pay coaches and how many new buildings they have and what their athletic budget is, and James Madison, poised to make the jump. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk about the Utes and the Aztecs. Matt Ortiz, co-host of the Sons of Montezuma podcast, joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Matt, good morning. 
Good morning, DJ PK. So, it has been a while since the youths have seen the Aztecs. Obviously, the Aztecs went through a coaching change. Now they're going through a stadium change. But it looks like they can still run the ball really well, and they still have a really good running back. True story? You know, they sure do. We've had a great chance to sit down with Aztec starting running back Greg Bell. He is the focal point of the offense. I I seen a crazy stat the other day in the last 50 games. When the Aztecs run the ball over 200 yards, they're something ridiculous like 49 and one. Wow. So Greg Bell is going to be the focus. He's got an amazing journey. His story is one that in San Diego we're very familiar with. He originally wanted to come to state. Things happen on the on the grades side that he had to go to the JC route in Arizona Western, which proved to be very, very beneficial to him because he ended up going to Nebraska. Things didn't work out there. And now he's back home in San Diego and all Aztec Nation is extremely excited about it. Well, usually if you were running back there, a really good one in the recent years, you've been an NFL guy. Uh, that, and those are just the facts of the situation. Is this kid an NFL guy? You know, I think he really is. And you hit you, you hit something there because San Diego High School in particular has a really, really proud tradition of running backs. You can go back to Marcus Allen. You can go, you know, as recent as uh, Arian Foster, uh, numerous Heisman Trophy Award winners. The, the kid is cut from the same cloth. His journey, like I said, just took him, you know, different paths. But the, the young man is uh, he's slippery, man. He, he gets through the line very uh, different ways. He's he's got a good uh, burst of speed and he's a tough kid. So can they throw the ball and have some balance? They had some big plays against Arizona. I watched the game, but it was tight end screens. It was little stuff and. Arizona guys running at each other and then missing tackles. And <laughs> so all of a sudden it's a 75 yard play, but that's not the same as throwing the ball consistently. Certainly worked that night, but don't know that they'll have that working for them every week. Other defenses will tackle better. What do you think of the passing game? You know, it's, it's yet to be seen. It, obviously, I was there at the game uh, last weekend in Tucson, and, you know, it was a great atmosphere. We were very excited to see how uh, the quarterback, Jordan Brookshire, and the offense was going to come out because we knew we were going to have to have a more balanced attack. But, you know, hey, I know we haven't been in the same conference with Utah for, what is it, 10, 11 years going on now, but there's definitely a, a, a lot of respect that us in San Diego have for the program there in Utah. So we know we're not playing U of A anymore. This is not, <laughs> this is not, you know, a bottom team of the Pac-12. You know, we, we definitely respect. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Jordan uh, came out a lot more confident than he did in that first game against New Mexico State, which, I mean, let's be honest, arguably is one of the lesser teams in all FBS. So it, w- it was definitely good to see him be uh, a lot more competent, a lot more confident, in his play, but you know that that Utah defense is is a whole different animal coming in this week. So we saw the Aztec program really take off under Rocky Long, and then he leaves. And he turns seventy and goes over back to New Mexico as defensive coordinator, and they bring back Hoke, who was on the staff and obviously had been head coach before. How much, if anything, has changed in the philosophy of the Aztec program with Long leaving and Hoke taking over for a second time? You know, really not much. You know, obviously, uh, Brady Hoke, when he was first here, originally brought Rocky Long 
in as his defensive coordinator for those first two years. So really, it's just been, you know, we're very fortunate to have an extension of the same philosophy for all these years going strong. Now that, you know, Coach Rocky is back home in New Mexico, um, the the defense really hasn't changed philosophy. And, and obviously this defense for the Aztecs, the a lot of senior leadership on that defensive line, the 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 linemen, the linebackers are all very, very familiar with the three, three, five scheme that was uh, brought here by Rocky. So they're they're definitely the strength of the team, strength of the defense. And I know that the new defensive coordinator, Kurt Maddox, he, you know, he's he's got all the tools. He's got all the uh, fun parts there to have some fun and dial up some uh exciting uh, packages there in the defense. So it looks like they've been uh, carrying it on. Do you expect them to blitz a lot because the Utah offensive line struggled with blown assignments against BYU? Do you think that they will bring in a lot of exotic blitzes, give them different looks, try to confuse them, and and then take advantage of some more blown assignments? Well, you know, that's always the goal, right? With the three-three-five, you want to give that offense some different looks that they're not used to and disguise where your blitzes are coming from. So, you know, the last two weeks, uh, it, it didn't really require much of that because the, the pressure that our, our front three and four were giving was, was well enough. Um, and the secondary on the back end, which was probably our biggest question mark on the defense, you know, they held their own. We got some coverage sacks, but with this Utah team, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some new wrinkles, some new uh, disguises coming in there. So I think in a game like this, where the two teams are, are just obviously defensive minded teams, it's going to take something a little different from both sides to throw the other defense off. Now it benefits us. I think in a certain ways that we've been able to see BYU play our previous two opponents. So a lot of game film watching on our part to see, okay, what did BYU do to finally get over that hump and, and beat Utah Um, easier said than done though. So we'll, we'll have to see. So the game's in Carson, two hours away to the north. Uh, Utah's travel roster, I got it right in front of me, that they took down to Provo the other night. They had 20 guys from uh, at least uh, within a two-, three-hour drive of this stadium, and a lot of them within (laughs) literally minutes of the stadium uh, right there in the Southern California area. So there's going to be a lot of Utah fans there uh, big game, Pac-12 opponent and all that. Uh, what's going to be the atmosphere? Because it's a real funky situation. I can't think of a team playing its home games two hours away from its campus. You know, it really is. You know, all Aztec Nation is very excited. Next season is the grand opening of our new Aztec Stadium. It's uh, it's going to be amazing. That, that environment is going to be something that uh, this program has never seen before. Southern California is is going to get a treat. But this season, this one last final year playing in Carson, you know, it's uh, it's it's not ideal. It's not definitely not ideal. But um, this game is being billed as a blackout, so our fans can come out and get excited. You know, if on our perspective, if we could pull this one out, obviously it sets our season up for a little a lot more of an interesting possibilities so i know our fans are excited like you said there's a lot of not just la kids there's a few san diego kids there on the youth roster so i know they will be very well represented but uh 
man, I, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Uh, it's a lot different than playing in the old uh, Qualcomm Jack Murphy uh, decrepit stadium. So no matter what, man, we're enjoying it. Tailgating is going to be a beautiful atmosphere outside. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, man, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Look forward to the game on Saturday. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate the Olive Branch, guys. SonsOfMontezuma.com. There's Matt Ortiz with the podcast covering the Aztecs now. Here's the Utes quarterback, Charlie Brewer. What was the vibe? What was the mood? What was the message of practice today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we were really disappointed about the loss. But uh, I thought we came out today, corrected the things we needed to correct. And, uh, you know, we're on to the next week now. So... Uh, did the crowd affect you guys at all? Obviously, it seemed like it was kind of a struggle to get from the huddle to getting plays off sometimes. I mean, how much of that played into it? Yeah, I mean, it was loud out there, but I, I think it was just really us just shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, just pretty much that. Where, where do you go from this? Obviously, you know, Kyle's talked about the mistakes that have been made. Where, where do you personally go, or what do you do to help the team? Yeah, I mean, I think our goals are still right in front of us, right? We... Um, are still able to achieve, you know, what we want to achieve. So I think now we just correct everything, you know, that we did wrong and just move on. How fun was it just for you to see Bernard really take off as a runner? Yeah, he had a great game, made a lot of big runs. Uh, I I expect, you know, that he'll do that kind of the rest of the year. Make your job easier? Yeah. (laughs) You've obviously lost games before. This isn't your first loss. So how how do you personally, uh, you know, take charge of this and, and kind of shake it off? Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to go back to the drawing board, see see what, what went wrong and uh, what we need to you know, improve as as a team individually um, and just get ready for the next one. Do you feel like you guys have a handle on the procedural stuff, getting plays in and out, getting them called a little bit quicker now? I think so. I think, uh, you know, even today corrected a lot of things. Um, still have some things to correct and get better at for sure, though. Really kind of an open-ended question, but what was your biggest takeaway from the game as a whole? Yeah, I just did not think we played great at all. I think offensively, just played really sloppy and going to have to play a lot better this week. Not to use it as an excuse or anything, but how long does it take for a new quarterback to get completely familiar with all the skill guys, you know, because you didn't play with any of these guys until last spring? Yeah, I mean, I think I've done that. I think... You know, through the off season, and you know, I think just from week to week, it gets better and better. Um, but you know, that's no excuse for for this past Saturday. We uh, did not play good. What did you think of that little BYU rivalry? Yeah, I thought it was a great atmosphere. You know, just wish we could have won it. San Diego State this week. What do you know about the Aztecs right now? They're really good. They uh, play really good on defense. Um, I know they beat Arizona pretty badly so you know we're gonna have to you know play a lot better than we did this past week. Do you feel like the stuff you didn't like the stuff that were mistakes or whatever it was are fixable in a week? I think so for sure I think uh I think the guys are motivated um I think we all kind of felt embarrassed so uh you know I think that we'll have a really good week of practice. There's Utah quarterback Charlie Brewer Here's the guy who has surged back in front in the battle for the running back position, Makai Bernard. All right, dude, you ready to take over the number one spot? Have they have given you any indication what's going to happen? Uh, no indication at all. It's up to the coaches. You know, we're just going to continue to play the game. You know, all, we got a good group of guys, and we're just going to keep working hard, and we'll see what happens. Did that feel like a long time coming, you know, just the way you broke out after 
shown the patience that you have for so long? Uh, it did, it did. I mean, I've been wanting to get back to my old self, and uh, I felt like uh, I'm getting there, and uh, I still got a long way to go, so just got to keep it up. How do you describe your old self, okay? Uh, you know, just what I did Saturday night. You know, I, I've done a lot of that in high school, and I, I've been trying to change it over to college, and, you know, did a lot uh, on Saturday night, so trying to get back to it. Was it difficult to show in practice with five other, four other backs competing with you? I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's, I, I mean, it's just we have a... I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I just game, game feeling is different than practice feeling. That's all I can say about that. They say running backs need to get in the rhythm. You know, you can't keep coming in and out in order. To, did you find that to be true for yourself? That you need to be in there and getting the ball to get some kind of flow going. Uh, yeah, you, you find it true. To, uh, so, coach, like he tried to give us, you know, one drive, you know, each. So you get a whole drive, and you know, it helps us out a little bit. But yeah, you know, try to catch a rhythm. But other than that, you know, I've been I've been in this program for two years now, and I'm used to whatever I'm given. So. I actually asked Coach Witt today what was the one thing that he liked from the game, and he mentioned your name. How does that make you feel knowing that your head coach says you? Uh, I mean, it makes me feel pretty good, but uh, we got a lot of things to work on. I'm not the only one on this team. We got offense, defense. We got, a, shoot, 100, 100 guys on this team, 100 plus. So, you know, I'm not the only one on this team. I feel good about that, but we all got something to work on. You also talked about inconsistency with the offense today. How do you guys get back to being a little bit more consistent? Oh, uh, you know, we just got to practice harder. You know, uh, we took, I wouldn't say we took it light last week. We, we worked our ass off last week. Excuse my language, I'm sorry. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we, we worked hard last week, but we got to work even harder this week coming off of L, so. Your path to the end zone on Saturday wasn't easy. It was also really exciting. Is that a good indication of what you're capable of as a runner? Oh, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I feel like I got a lot more than, than that. I, you know, I busted a couple good runs, but I got to finish those, and that was just only a little bit. What do you think about the family and Carson? Because it's not going to be too far from where you made your mark, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, I got a lot of family coming. Uh, so I got to just put on for them. My family called me all last week or, or Sunday, you know, and we uh, we just chopped it up about the game, you know. But it's going to be cool to have them in town and, you know, ball out in front of them. How about maybe high school coaches and friends and stuff? Uh, yeah, you know, a couple called me. They, uh, they said they're going to get tickets to the game and try to come and see me. So it's going to be feel good. What was the vibe and the message today at practice? Uh, it was just, you know, we just got to lock in. Um, we had a day off to, to think about it, recover, and we just got to lock in. We're, we're past that, and uh, it's on to a new week. A lot of good running backs tend to get stronger as the game progresses. How would you evaluate your ability to have endurance and be stronger as you get late in the third and fourth quarters? Um, you just you start to get your legs back. I mean, beginning of the game, you're kind of tight, kind of tense, and uh, after halftime, you start to feel loose and stuff. So I feel like yeah. for me, after halftime, my legs feel good. Uh, I can run more. So it's just it's a different feeling. Because it did seem like you were better in the second half. Right. And, uh, you know, we just we, we went in the locker room. We changed some stuff up. And we just got everything we needed. I mean, it wasn't enough. But we, we just changed a little bit up. And it was good. You got some action coming out of the backfield as far as receiving. Uh, how good do you feel about that and your role to be able to be productive there? Uh, like Coach would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a threat out the backfield, so you know, I try to thrive on that. I mean, it's a, it's a big blessing for me that I have the hands I have, so I try to use it. Uh, I love how the coaches incorporate me into all that, so it's a, it's a good feeling. When you first came here, you were young, right? You were 17. 17. When you first got here at that age, what were the difficulties of just trying to get acclimated to everything that you're being asked to do? I mean, it's just 
grown men, you know. It was, I'm still 17, still a child, you know, coming out of high school. I was, I was young in high school too, so, but it's just a lot of grown men. I'm seeing a lot of people 24, 25, and it was just a different feeling. But, you know, being around this team and this family, I got acclimated to it pretty good. When a kid goes to college and doesn't see success right away, a lot of them go right to the portal and look for something else. How, you know, can you just reflect on the fact that you've shown persistence and you didn't just run, right? You put in the work to get where you are. Right, um, you know, just out of my freshman year, uh, went back and watched the film last year and I was just like, I've gotten so much better. And I, I, I literally seen that on film that I've changed from one year to another. And I was just like, I can only get better. So, you know, that's just what I took out of it. What's been the biggest difference for you this season? Uh, biggest difference? I feel like just being a leader, you know, being the leader in the room. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys come and ask me questions, and I can answer those because I've been in the program for two years now. Uh, so I feel, I feel like that's the difference. All right, there's Makai Bernard talking Utes and talking Utes and Aztecs, although I really believe this game is more about the Utes than anything else. If the Utes come out and play their A game, they should win. If they play a B-minus game, they could be in a lot of trouble. All right, we'll get to that later in the show. Coming up next, a little NFL football. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst and Pac-12 analyst. We'll talk Pac-12 and Raiders. How about that? We'll do that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After their emotional win against the Utes, BYU welcomes in another Pac-12 opponent as Arizona State rolls into Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined once again by Lincoln Kennedy, analyst for the Pac-12 Networks and Raiders radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? <laughs> We're good. We're just wondering how you are. I was sitting next to Brent Musper while he yelled, Jackpot! So many times. It was a crazy Monday night game that looked like it was over multiple times, but it isn't over till it's over. True story. Story, you're absolutely right, and uh, it was it was funny because the the first jackpot we thought that the game ended when Brian Edwards, you know, looked like he crossed the goal line, but but you know we were trying to I was trying to slow him down because I saw the referee going over to the monitor to check the replay, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not clear, even though the, the guys were out in the field shaking hands and everything else. So we had to play a little bit more, but you know the Raiders were able to finish it, and, and it was it was a great game. First game with fans in there, right, as far as yeah. uh, the Raiders. How was the atmosphere? Uh, electric. I mean, really, it, that's the best way to describe it. It was – there was a frenzy even before the game started. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, going into Vegas, uh, just personally speaking, a lot of people thought that, you know, this is going to be different. It's going to be – you know how Vegas, Vegas is about glitz and entertainment. But, you know, to have Gladys Knight sing the national anthem, 
Then you had Too Short and Ice Cube doing the halftime show. You had a, a host of celebrities all through the monitor every time there was a TV timeout and everything else. Uh, it, was, it was something to see. Uh, and, and I think the fans really enjoyed it because there, it's been, you know, I've been affiliated with the Raiders for quite some time, but never have I found an electricity quite like that was uh, on Monday night. So I'm curious, is there any uh, sense in Vegas how many of those fans were from Vegas and are now embracing the team? How many are people who flew in from Oakland? Because those people are hardcore. And how many people drove up from L.A.? Because they still got a pretty good fan base from there from their days in the 80s and 90s. Well, the Raider Nation has always been well-traveled. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are. I remember when playing my playing days, didn't matter where we went, um, there was always a good uh, foundation of fans that were going to support and go and travel with the team. So it's anyone's guess where they all came from. But the, the fact is, is that they showed up. The Raiders now have a true home in Allegiant Stadium. And I think the fans that showed that, that were there really appreciated the fact that this was the Raiders' home. More importantly, the way it showed on TV, I know there are a lot of people who were mad that they missed it. I was really impressed with just the ability to come back because it looked like the had the potential to get the game get away from them. Yeah, because it looked like it was all about Baltimore early, obviously, and then we know what happened. I'm wondering as I watch Carr, it seems to me, and you would know much better, that he has the potential to be an elite quarterback in this league. What would you say to that? I think he's always had that potential. It's just his discretion and his decision making. One of the things that stood out to me about Carr in that, in that last performance on Monday night is the fact that 19 times he tried to go to Darren Waller, and he completed 10 of the passes. Um, it, it seemed almost forced. It wasn't until the second half to where I think things settled down. And, look, I've been one of those guys who's all along said, I think everyone needs a preseason for nothing more than timing and just getting into a, a, a sort of a groove on how the game day works. Um, there were a lot of timing passes that, that Carr missed. Um, uh, and he settled down in the second half and made a lot of completions, a lot more completions than he did in the first half. But uh, I think the, the, the possibility of being, quote-unquote, elite has always been a part of him because he's a, he's a quarterback that's capable of making all the throws. I just don't know when he gets later in the season if he's not so predictable and, 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 and so, you know, so well-read that, that he can't separate himself from everyone else. So what happened, I always think of the Ravens, whether their defense is good or great, it never seems to be worse than good. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in the fourth quarter, the Raiders are shedding it. I mean, they're, they're down. They needed three separate scores in the fourth quarter. They're behind yeah. three times, and they got all three to get to OT. What did they do? What, what changed everything? Turnovers. The, the Ravens had turnovers. Um, Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball a couple times, most notably in, uh, in, in overtime uh, when they got the ball back after the interception. Look, the, the, the thing is that the, I think the Raiders were fortunate to win this football game, um, but they, they got a little bit of a hint to what's going to go on this season. Teams are going to walk into the Raiders or play the Raiders noting, noting that they want to take Darren Waller out of the equation. Derek Carr has to recognize that. You can't force the ball to a guy who's being double covered. You've got to go somewhere else. And it wasn't until he started going other places to where the, open, the offense actually opened up. Um, and they were fortunate enough to have time to do that. More importantly, with the turnovers and the miscues by, by Lamar Jackson, um, he played right into their hands. 
being very careless and loose with the ball allowed the Raiders to stay into it. And most notably, after the interception on the, uh, on the goal line in overtime, and when the, the Ravens had the ball, you know, to, to miscalculate a blitz or adjusting the, the formation of blitz, you let a defensive end come free off the right side. Carl Nassib, that's who calls the, uh, the, the fumble on Lamar Jackson, being careless with the football. That's what led to the, uh, to the demise of the Ravens. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, Jackson, uh, MVP, electric, and all that. But does he got what it takes through the throw, as Kyle Whittingham would say, the throw game for him to take that next step? He does. They they have to have a run game. Unfortunately, they've been hampered by injuries. We saw yeah. some flashes out of Tyson Williams um, um, over the, the, the you know Monday night. He was able to come through. I think Latavius Murray was was a great addition for him. But Latavius still has to learn the the offense. Um, as well as any other running backs they want to have back there. But they have to have a running game. They have to be balanced. Um, they don't have enough on the receiver side to really open things up other than Marquise Brown. And when you look at uh, the Ravens' Lamar Jackson, um, there are still some times he struggles with his reads and struggles with reading defenses. Um, but the fact is, is that he's such an electric player. He can do things on his legs. I think he wants to show this season what I got from him in one game is that he wants to show that he can do it with his arm. And I think that's a mistake. You have to be balanced, take what the defense gives you, and more importantly, when they, when they open up a holes for you to run, use it. The NFL season is longer than ever now with 17 games, so there's yeah. plenty of time to get off to a good start and wreck it. There's plenty of time to get off to a bad start and rally and save it. But the division did go 4-0. Any surprises in the AFC West, or you saw it all coming? No, I, you know what I've I said all along when they were when they were talking about the overall competition for the, the, the division that we know what you're going to get out of Kansas City. That's already been established over the last couple of years. I think the Chargers are on the rise. Obviously, now they've got a quarterback. They just mismanaged some games, you know, collectively last season, which I thought they would have a better record. Uh, and then Denver eventually is going to figure it out. They had too many good pieces not to figure it out, but they're going to figure it out. And, and whether it's with you know Teddy Bridgewater or they decide to go somewhere else, Denver is always going to be competitive. So it's going to be a competitive division. And that's why when people were talking about the over and under for the Raiders, I said, look, with the schedule they have playing the, uh, the AFC uh, East uh, and then um, and as well as play, or North, I should say, as well as playing the NFC East, um, it, it, there's. It's going to be a very tough, difficult schedule. And the Raiders, you know, look, were very scarred from Monday night. They were able to come with the win, but yesterday, guys, they had 17 yeah. guys on the injured list. Uh, and, and three guys were, uh, two guys were lost for the season, Denzel Good and Gerald McCoy. Uh, so it was a very hard price to pay for the win on Monday night. You have been consistent on your thoughts on the preseason and we've seen uh, Aaron Rodgers basically take the whole year off, nothing yeah. that he did in the off season, and then he goes out and stinks. You draw a direct correlation there. Yes, I do. I do. You know, look, understanding and uh, understanding situations, scenarios is one thing, and I think pros and veterans like Aaron Rodgers can do that. But there's a timing that's that that comes with the game and a game feel. There's there's. There's a rhythm that you get in. There's a certain type of energy that you exude when you're playing actually a football game rather than going through practice. Practice, you're just trying to get through it. Your brother-in-law and across the board. I remember as an offensive lineman that I would never try to take out my, my frustrations and my aggressions on my teammates. 
you know, the, the, the practice. I didn't want to hurt anybody. But when you come to a game, I, I, I saw red. You had a different colored helmet on. I was trying to take your head off. I was trying to decapitate you. That's a different energy, even if it was, even the preseason. Even if I was only playing two series, it's still the energy that's, that's there. Um, the reason why I think preseason is necessary is because there's a rhythm that you get in when you go through a game-time situation. Everything from the setup to the pregame to the introduction, everything, the game time, managing your energy, everything, that's all different. That can only be displayed in practice when you do it. Preseason, to me, is essential for everyone. And you don't have to have a lot of it, but you still have to have the essential of building up and working towards that. And I think you saw Derek Carr was, it was the main example, but you guys mentioned Aaron Rodgers. The timing was off. The timing with his receivers on crossing routes, that takes time. I mean, that, that, that takes doing. You have to do it full speed, not just practice. That takes you doing. Now, so when you, when you talk about preseason, from everyone, from offensive line, the quarterbacks, everyone across the board, everyone needs to see some snaps to get into a rhythm and understand that lather of what it, what it means to be in a game day situation. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raiders radio analyst and Pac-12 network analyst. So the Pac-12 South, we had it all figured out, except USC's lost their head coach, ASU's <laughs> lost three assistant coaches, USC or Utah's lost a game to a rival, USC's lost a conference game, and UCLA took down LSU. How much are you rethinking what you thought about the Pac-12 South? How much do you still believe what you thought about the Pac-12 South? You know what? It's 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 anyone's guess where the Pac-12 collectively. As a whole, I mean, my 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 alma mater started this is all in two. Um, you know, going into last weekend, I remember sharing the, the information with Greg Heiser because we did the Wazoo Portland State game on the Pac-12 Network. That you know, after Oregon beat Ohio State, it, it could very well be a great day because Colorado led Texas A&M, so on and so forth. Um, but as we sit right now, I, I think that the, it's really unfortunate because. You know, SC is trying to make its mind of where they're going to go. And there's been several rumors out there about different coaches' possibilities from Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of Kansas City Chiefs, to other people, so on and so forth. SC has to make a splash because SC is that big and that grand of a program. Um, it's great for UCLA to take down LSU. It's great for the Pac-12 to show that they can beat an SEC uh, school uh, when that hasn't happened in quite some time in the past. Um, but at the same point, the big markers for the Pac-12 aren't doing so well. And um, that includes SC as well as UW. Um, it's going to be anyone's guess on how they finish. But, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of football to be played. We'll see what SC figures out or where they go from there. But I think SC has to make a splash with the namesake because SC is SC. But I just don't know where you go. Urban Meyer is not going to leave the game, uh, leave Jacksonville. Um, and it would cost too much to try to get him out. I, don't, I still don't think he's gone. So I, I just don't know where SC goes to make that splash. So you got that Washington connection as being one of their more uh, famous alums as a football player up there. I, I'm thinking maybe you have some inside information. I'm thinking Chris Peterson. I mean, this dude is really good, and he's only 56 years old. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I talked to Coach Peterson when he first left, and um, he said that he was just worn out. He was worn out of everything that goes on, the rigors of college football. And I can understand that. 
And and there's usually look when when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. Just like Urban Meyer, eventually you come back. I just don't know if if uh, you know Jennifer Cohen, the athletic director of UW, can do enough to cite him to get back. Um, uh, and I don't know if he wants to come back. Right. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a very cushy job sitting in the studio on Fox Sports guys talking <laughs> about football when you just, get, just sit there in the green room all day and watch it. You know what I mean? Yep. I, trust me, I know. So I don't know if he wants to come back. I think SC is an even more enticing job, though, with name, image, and likeness. There's no cheating anymore. It's go time. <laughs> There's you can cheating. make this happen. There's always <laughs> cheating. Okay, there is always cheating. There could be academic fraud, so that hasn't changed a bit. That's still right. over there. But as far as some rich USC booster in Orange County or Hollywood or whatever, hooking up a player, go get him, Tiger. Yeah, that's NIL. NIL is best. I mean, it, you, you, look at, you look at college football as a whole, there's amateur free agency with the transfer reporter, and there's NIL. And... Unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of universities around the country who want to sit back on their laurels and say, you know what, we offer a high education or we offer this or that. We don't need to compete but or, or try to get involved in stuff like NIL and paying students or paying athletes um, uh, that money. But the truth of the matter is that if you don't, you're missing the pot. I mean, you really are. You, you're, really, you're missing the boat. The fact is, is that if you don't, other places are, and they're playing well. And so all of a sudden, that becomes a factor in recruiting. That becomes a factor in, uh, for players' decision-making. And, and next thing you know, you've got school, one school who's loaded way more up on a talent level than others ones around them. So a week ago, Lincoln, I was ready to bench Anthony Brown. Shows you how much I know. Now I think he's a favorite to win the Heisman. Anthony Brown, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding on the ladder. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding on the ladder, but I, I just did not expect them to go into Columbus and win. And he looked great, and they won. Yeah, you know what? I will say this: um, Anthony Brown, in the first two games, hasn't looked as solid as I think you need for a championship caliber quarterback. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, getting them in the college football playoff and really making a, a, a stay. But the run game has, and Oregon needs to understand that. Um, Anthony Brown needs to understand, uh, has to have more trust in his offensive line, which I think will come. And more importantly, he needs to stop you know, deciding to run so much because I think he's going to be beat up throughout the season. He's taken some really big hits the first couple of games I watched. So, um, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's like he's got to have more confidence in his offensive line, more confidence in his receivers, find ways to throw the ball instead of throwing you know, a little check down or short routes be able to stretch the field but more importantly utilize that run game and, and i think oregon's best aspect is that run game i think they'll get to it i think mario cristobal and his staff have learned any something after the first two games they'll try to put all the illness on their quarterback let's use this run game and of course they had a big time uh one in, in ohio state with running the football we will leave it right there lincoln we appreciate the time as always and we will talk to you again next week always a pleasure guys you be well There is Lincoln Kennedy. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines coming up next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah. 
It absolutely is key this week and that the leaders need to step up and where leadership is really needed and where it really comes to the forefront is when you have adversity and challenging times. You don't need a bunch of leadership when everything's going great. And so we absolutely need the leaders to step up this week. My guess is they will respond. That's Kyle Whittingham talking about bouncing back from the loss in a rivalry game. They haven't had to do that in a long time because the last time they lost, it was the season finale. Now they've lost in week two. They've got to bounce back. And they've got San Diego State and Dignity Health, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson. That's a mouthful. In Carson, California, on the campus of beautiful Cal State Dominguez Hills. Well, the soccer stadium is what I call it. CBS Sports Network, 5 o'clock. You got a key to watch for in this game. You fans will know they're okay early on if they see. I don't know if they bottle up Bell, multiple Bells. You know, two Bell running backs. Uh, yeah, but if uh, Greg Bell's the lead guy, Greg Bell's the if guy. If he really just comes out and just starts picking up chunks, and you know it's second, and third, and short, and he march down the field, that's going to be difficult. Uh, and then also too. Brewer's got to get time because I thought he looked okay when he had time. And it's like, well, you can say that just about anybody, really, when you think about it. I didn't really see him do well when he had the improvise. And who was it? It was either Dolce or O'Reilly. And both those guys played quarterbacks at the college level saying, well, yeah, I mean, you can throw that statement out about any quarterback out there under the sun. Uh, so I get that, and that's true. So it, it, just basically what I'm saying is the same thing that Kyle said. The reason why they lost the game last week was the trenches. And then it's coming so it's right back carry, to it. Yeah. Carry over. It's coming right back to it again. I was talking with somebody from, uh, he's got connections to both programs. And he was saying, can the youths just give BYU credit? I said, uh, you know, it's funny because they face this internal dilemma that they've never faced before. They hate BYU. Understand that, but they like Kalani, so they'll credit Kalani, but they won't say anything about the program, so they won't go over that line. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, it was just a whole lot easier back in the Bronco days when you just hated everybody. <laughs> they can't bring themselves to hate that man, but they hate BYU. That's a hundred percent true. But the best answer for the Utes, if they want to be honest, is BYU is really good again, and so they got you. No, but it doesn't mean anything's that. wrong with you. That's giving BYU credit. I know it is. But that, isn't that the best answer, though? No. Because then you're still set up to go 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. That wouldn't happen. Everyone loses a conference game somewhere in the history of the league. But Well, 11, oh, 11, they won 11-1. Yeah, I got yeah, you. That okay. means they're 9-0, and, oh, and nobody goes 9-0. and oh, But yeah. if they're really good... Then you can yeah, but be then really you got to acknowledge they're really good last year, and you built your whole foundation on weak schedule. You mean how many people would have to call me and apologize? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Absolutely, I've got an idea. I sit here and read all these mentions on social media. There are a lot of people hanging on to they haven't played anybody. Yeah, well, that's all we heard all last year. The blatant, I know, but all disrespect those, of Coastal all those Carolina. NFL people traipsing down there to analyze matter. all those guys. Well, that doesn't matter. That's besides the point. That, so, that is the point. No, those no, NFL no, guys are have, heartless. You They'll can go have, to see a good football player. You can have NFL players on crappy teams. Yes, you absolutely well, I'm, see, do. I don't think they would say that they were crappy, but they weren't 11-1. and one. And they may not have been 11-1. 11 11 I can buy their 8-4, 7-5. That's a long way to go. I wouldn't go that far. You want to tell me they were nine and three or ten and two? Sure, that could have happened. 
But they were really good. And there's a decent chance they're really good again. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. You did this in chronological kickoff order, didn't you, Yach? I see how I'm, your brain I'm, works. I'm glad you caught up on you this. You started with the 5 o'clock game, the Utes, and now it's the Aggies, the 5.30 game. Utah State, Mountain West Conference play is here. They're at the Air Force Academy. Both teams are 2-0. and But what to make of the Air Force Academy? Yes, they just beat Navy last week, and that's a big game for them, but Navy's in a horrible stretch, and the AD and the coach can't agree on what to do with the offensive coordinator. And They've lost seven in a row. That's Navy. They have nothing to do with it. I know. So is Air Force... They run the ball, and if they can run the ball effectively, they're going to beat you. That never changes. It's not. I don't need to know what what to make of Air Force. You don't want to know if they beat a good team? What about their defense? They're the same team every year. Concept Conceptually. Conceptually. And if okay, they can run that. the ball, they're going to be tough to beat because they just eat up massive amounts of clock and put the pressure on you to have production in your limited possessions. I don't know that it ever changes. And the talent level can change from time to time. Uh, but I don't. I think it's going to. They're going to be tough. They're going to be tough to beat, and it'd be a great win. It. We'll have to see at the end of the season, but I could argue to date it would be the best win. Air Force beat Lafayette in the opener, so they're two and zero also. Lafayette, oh. huh? Yeah, that's what we always used to say as a kid. Where are you going? Eleven Lafayette Street. <laughs> Eleven Lafayette Street is where my out of the Patriot League. My mother was raised. My grandmother was raised. Where I spent most of my time as a kid. My grandparents' house. My grandmother, Carmela Pasiello, was raised in the same house that she raised her ten kids. How about that? Odd. But somehow a little slice of Americana. I think it's cool. The immigrants came over, settled, there was a lot of Italians on that show. I wonder how many people in I wonder how many people in Utah, a lot of people are Utah lifers, how many people end up raising their kids in the house they grew up in? Because our next door neighbor did. He grew up in that house. I can think now of he and his wife raised their three kids there. I can think of two that I know personally. In the house of the rising sun. <laughs> so you always say Air Force is good when they have a senior quarterback. They got a junior quarterback, Zeke Daniels. He got to play six games last year. And he's played a couple this year. So he's got some experience but not where he'll be down the road. I mean, usually when you talk senior quarterback, it's you're playing a kid who's probably got, you know, 20, 25 games under his belt. He's got eight. Yeah, last year was screwy. Yep. All right, full play-by-play. Everything starts on the zone tomorrow at 4.30. Scotty will have the pregame show for you then. The game kicks off at 5.30. It is on FS2. You'll have to go searching for that channel. That is the true TV of the college football season, FS2. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. I think it's just the same mindset that we did going into Utah. Transfers over to this week. We emphasize that we're taking it week by week and one game at a time. And that as long as we do like our small and simple things as the team and individually, I think our sharpness and our focus will be the exact same or even increased for this week's game. I think for us upperclassmen as well, we just echo off of what Kalani says. What Kalani gives us is what we echo off to the team. And from there on, our whole system is working and flowing right. Lorenzo Fauteo right there on the mindset for BYU going into the Arizona State game. 
Both 2-0. I'll give you the same question, PK. What do the Cougar fans need to see early on to know our team is in good shape in this one? 8-15 on ESPN. Offense. Moving the ball. You want to see first downs. Issues offense has not been explosive. It's not been prolific. So I suspect the defense should be okay there. Uh, but what de- de- defensive for, defensively for the Devils, they've come in with a lot of hype. Tons of hype. But that BYU feels, and talking with guys off the side, they feel like they can move the ball on these guys. If they can, they'll have an excellent chance to win by four touchdowns, according to Papa P. <laughs> Papa P <laughs> did say that yesterday. Well, social media hit us up with it. And he doubled down on it. So if they can move the ball, then I really like their chances. The Sun Devil defense, so many returners. Uh, they lo- they lost their best defensive lineman to uh, tricep, bicep, tear, or something like that. And uh, he's out. And he was their big pass rusher. And they've sort of been weak at that position anyway for a number of years. So... Uh, but the secondary's got all sorts of experience, man. Just tons of it. Um, but if the Cougars can move the ball, then they got an excellent chance to win. The line is inched up. Arizona State was a two-and-a-half point favorite. It's now three-and-a-half. So people like ASU, put the over-under at 51. That's like a 27-24 game. So if BYU gets to 30, they win. You buy that? Because Vegas would. I can see that. I'm not sure the Sun Devils can score that many. They've struggled to score now. Well, yeah, I can't really count last year. Uh, and it, it, it's it's hard for me to say because yeah, they've, if I don't count last year, they only played four games, I think, and, and they had the first game in like well, three or four weeks without playing. If you only play four yeah. games, there's a much yeah. last year to count, right? And so, but then you go back to the year before they struggled to score. Well, the kid was a first year freshman, so the quarterback I'm speaking of, Daniels. What, what would you really expect? I got hit up yesterday. Somebody said, some Utah radio host said that ASU has the worst quarterback room in the nation. So I got bombarded with that. <laughs> they don't understand. I was making a joke of the room. You know, we've been laughing about the room. Right. But they literally they, don't have that many people in the room. Right. I remember you saying that. That was the joke. Right. And it was about the room. And we've been talking about the room has been the big weird to phrase it now for we've been laughing about that for a month but what's the point and go explain all that so the Cougar pregame show will start at 6 o'clock at JCW's in Provo tomorrow Yak you know anybody who's going to be there uh yeah me go meet Jake 6 o'clock autograph JCW's in Provo Hans will also be there well everybody's got his autograph he's been around Hans is doing five remotes a week people have plenty of chances to meet Hans I'm aware All right, DJ and PK. That'd be six remotes. Right. Hashtag college football. You guys know me. I am where my feet are, okay? So when it's all said and done with, I am focused on the task at hand. I'm not worried about anything where my name is being mentioned. My job right now is to make sure that we're preparing, all right, for this weekend's uh, opponent. So if USC reached out to me right now, my answer would be I am preparing for this team to play against the Baltimore Ravens. And that's how I roll. You guys know that. My job is to make sure that we're ready to play a complete sound 60-minute football game where we can come out and win the game. 
So this is three days of these quotes now. That's Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, getting asked about the USC vacancy. Everybody figures they're probably not getting the job and they don't need the distraction, but they don't want to say no, except for Urban. Urban said no. They don't want to say no and shut the door because USC job's real attractive. But nobody really wants to talk about it week two of the season. Well, week three of the college season. You know, your whole personal life can be crumbling, but that's, you know, you can deal with that. But if somebody mentions you for another job, oh no, you have to shut it down. I'm solely focused on the task at hand. You guys know me. That's how I roll. Well, everybody's got life. We come into work every day with baggage. There's stuff going on. (laughs) And so that's not a distraction. Sometimes more, sometimes <laughs> less. So if they have a, it goes every year. It'd be enemy if you want to be interested. I think you're bright enough to be able to do two things, to have casual interest, and maybe have your. And plus, you've got agent or agents. You're gonna need to have a conversation. Stuff, right? You're gonna need to have a conversation with your agent. I'm interested. This is my number. Yeah, I don't see where it necessarily detracts. Like that's the cardinal rule. They have it in the coach's office. You know, in baseball, you cannot bet on baseball. That's why Pete Rose is still out of the hole because he broke that rule that's stated on the wall of the clubhouse. Well, they must have it in the coach's room. Thou shall not publicly acknowledge entertaining another job while still employed. What's the big deal if he just says, "Yeah, we'll see what happens." Now back to who they play Baltimore this week. Yeah. And you got Mahomes, so your preparation time is a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Patrick, throw it to those guys. Travis Kelsey is still open. All right, notable games tomorrow. Number one, Alabama. Number 11, Florida. That's 130 on CBS. They have only played seven times in the regular season since the conference went to 12 teams almost 30 years ago. It's a good rivalry because they've met 10 times in the SEC title game in that span. Only seven in the regular season. SEC widely expect to go to nine conference games, so they'll start playing more conference games about the time everybody else goes to eight conference games in a Big Ten and a Pac-12. And all the arguments they've been making will flip. Look forward to that. Any chance Florida gets that PK? Or we just expect Bama to roll until we see otherwise. Yeah, because that's what I expect. Bama rolls until we see otherwise. Bizarro note of the weekend, Purdue, their marching band has an enormous drum that's so big it won't fit through the tunnel, so it can't go on the field in Notre Dame. That's because Notre Dame won't let them use the tunnel that it would fit through. Oh, well. Well, detail. they could get a crane and lift it over. That would be cool. I'd like to see that. I don't know how much insurance that would cost lifting the crane over a crowd. Number 12, Notre Dame, hosting Purdue, 1230 on NBC. Big game in the Pac-12, number 13, UCLA, hosting Fresno State. UCLA got a marquee win, unscathed early in the year, unlike USC and Utah. There's only three teams in the Pac-12 that are undefeated. Right. ASU, UCLA, Oregon. 8.45 on Pac-12 net, so that'll be kicking off uh, 10.45 back east. That'll make a big national impact when it finishes at 2 o'clock in the morning. Weber State hosts James Madison, 6 o'clock. Number three, James Madison. That one's on KJS 14 if you want to see that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
Jones on a quarterback draw. He's going to keep it. He's into the five. He dives for the end zone. Did he get in? The officials say he was down at the half-inch line. Well, now they're scoring in a touchdown. Heineke back. Throws it right. Intercepted by Bradbury at the 20-yard line. He jumped the route. We said it all game long that Heineke was loose with the football. And James Bradbury, who's had a rough night, gets a huge interception with 2.16 to go. Hopkins is set. Snaps good. Hold down. Kick. This one is up. And that one... Is good. Yes. Washington wins 30 to 29. Thursday night football. Taylor Heineke with a big interception late in the game, but they got the ball back and he threw a big touchdown pass. And then it all ends with Dustin Hopkins getting two chances. Missed the 48 yarder as time ran out. But there was a penalty, so it was an untimed down. They moved it five yards closer and he nailed the 43 yarder. And Washington gets the win. Taylor Heineke throws for 336 yards, two touchdowns, and the one interception as Washington gets the win. Big game Sunday. Niners are going to the Eagles. Cowboys are going to the Chargers. And the Raiders are playing the Steelers. Those are some of the big games. The Sunday night game is the Chiefs and the Ravens, 620 on NBC. PK, we all want to see the Monday night game, right? That's the big bounce back game for Green Bay. Find out what the heck went on with that. Saints are playing the Panthers, so I guess we'll check out and see if the Saints are really that good, and they're just going to roll. The NFL, I can watch them all. Colts are going to make their debut on Hard Knocks later during the regular season. First time Hard Knocks will follow a team during the regular season. So usually they've been doing training camps. HBO's going to have a regular season version coming up. All right, I'm going to watch that. I got HBO free for three months. Sweet. So I'm down to uh, two months and three weeks. Good time to have it with this new thing coming up. My wife said she'd make a note of it because what they do is then they they don't call you. Just start charging you. Yeah, so she said, because she said, well, they they offered it, so I said, yeah. But don't worry. When it comes time, I'll tell them no. Call and shut it off. Because I am not a movie guy. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Blackburn comes set at the belt, brings it home, and a high fly ball, deep left center. The wind will push it to the wall, and gone. Salvador Perez, home run number 45. Fernando hammers this one. Deep down the left field line, it is gone. A home run for Tatis. Just over the 339 marker, a line shot to left field. And the Padres double their lead here in the third inning. Number 39 for Fernando Tatis Jr. Peralta from the belt. He's set. He deals. And it's hit on the ground. And it's through the left side for a base hit. Jones down from third. He scores. Orioles win it 3-2 in 10 innings. And it is a mob scene behind first base. Yankees have been beating up on the Orioles, and they had the lead early, but they blow it. Orioles tie it in the ninth, win it in the tenth. Did you see the Red Sox? Did you see that Tanner that was blowing up uh, social media? Tanner Hawk, that slider he threw. Started on the inside corner, ended up out in the left-handed bat, uh, batter's box. I was busy last night, no. That was nasty. Filthy. Filthy. 
short schedule. There weren't a lot of games in the uh, in the major leagues, but that uh, the video of Tanner that was. I think what they say is light schedule. Light schedule. Yeah, as opposed to short. Phillies beat the Cubs 17-8. Bryce Harper went deep. Philly was down seven runs in that game and comes back to uh, to beat the Cubbies. Gave up seven in the third, scored seven in the fourth. They had a big five-run inning after that and got the win. Bees held on to beat the Reno Aces 13-10 in their series opener. Same two teams tonight, 7-30. Steve Clark will be on the air on the zone at 7-20. And Shohei Otani... Arm soreness, probably done pitching for the year. He's 9-2. and two. He's got a 3-3-6 ERA. But he probably won't pitch again. DJ PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL hosted Seattle. 7.30 tomorrow night. Rio Tinto Stadium. Everton will be back after getting suspended. Aaron Herrera has been out sick, but not COVID. See how he's feeling. See if he is back and... After that win, expect them to stick with a 3-5-2 for a third consecutive game. So what do you do in that situation? Do you just monitor the football scores on your phone? Yeah, and uh, and DVR games. Yeah, but, home and roll through them. That's later. You're not going to wait. No, I'll know when I I'll know when I'm in my car. Do you look? Come on, not during it? the game. I won't. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to. Identify guys, so I can't be looking down at my phone. Yeah, but how about when the coaches take like a twenty-second timeout? <laughs> they don't really take timeouts. Timeouts don't really exist. So at halftime, commercial breaks in the post-game show, I'll be looking. Yeah, you won't even. Well, and I'll know, time? and I'll know before the game too. I mean, the game starting at five. We're not on the air till seven. So well, that's it'll be. It'll probably there's TVs in the press box. It'll probably be on up there. So I'll probably see some of it early. I'll have the games DVR. 7.30 tomorrow night for RSL and the Sounders. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Rod from Lenright. Lenright Mortgage. Join us all morning long. And Rod... You can save people money. Yes, we can definitely do that. We're excited to be with you guys this morning and, uh, yeah, talk a little bit, especially about our Freedom Loan, which is uh, a particular product that allows people to get an interest rate that's at least as good and oftentimes better than what you get from a bank or credit union, usually a quarter percent lower if you're looking at the same closing costs, apple to apple. Uh, this morning just priced out comparing the largest credit union in the state uh, at 2.875%. We can get a 2.625% and $1,400 lower in closing costs. So, so yeah, that's the kind of savings we're talking about. So you've also got some rates in the ones? That seems unbelievably low. Yeah, so on our 10 to 15 year terms, uh, we've got rates as low as 1.75%. So if you're looking to pay that mortgage off a few years sooner, uh, reduce the interest you're paying, uh, one of those terms in the 10 to 15 year range will get you a rate in as low as 1.75%. So how do people get a hold of you to get more information? What's the best way to contact you? Our phone number, easy to remember, it's 801-APPROVE. Or you can find us on the web at 
LendRightMortgage.com. LendRightMortgage. Find them at LendRightMortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Bruce Feldman from The Athletic has come up with a list of possible replacements for Clay Hilton at USC. Bruce says one other intriguing name among the sitting head coaches a Pac-12 source mentioned is BYU Satake. Kalani's deserving of that kind of consideration. My experience with USC through the years, I just don't know if Kalani is a big enough name for them. I've also seen a list with Kyle Whittingham's name on it. I don't think Kyle's going anywhere. No, and I would put the likelihood of Kalani getting that job low for some of the reasons you're alluding to, but I will say, I think he he would do a good job at USC. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agriculture, irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. It's Football Friday. It's time for you to call your shots. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook DJ and PK, and we will get to your predictions coming up. Right now, it's time to talk with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David joins us every week, and it's brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. All right, football Friday. I need a little recap. I went hiking this or went camping this weekend, got off the grid came back off the grid midday Sunday and was like, what? How did that happen? You're How did BYU beat Utah? Well, we spent all week on that, David. Come on, man. Well, you know. They dominated I, the I want my own private little summation they here dominated before, we moved, the, San they, Diego, before they, we moved to San Diego State and Arizona State, right? Isn't that what they, we got this week? They dominated the offensive line and the defensive line. They won the trenches, and everything flowed from that. And so what has happened that that takes place? Because BYU was really getting hammered in that category, in that area for the last majority. It wasn't, you know, wasn't just skill positions winning this battle for the last few years. Yeah, I think it was a situation of the program growing up and getting guys off missions, getting them prepared, getting them to be in the program, getting them playing experience, having the coaching staff be – having continuity instead of changing over. So it was a combination of everything, really, when you look at the development of BYU's program. I mean, last year they had the soft schedule, so they weren't really taken seriously. Now this year you can't say, you can't justify or just say basically, yeah, well, two years in a row they didn't play anybody good. I mean, come on, that just doesn't work very well. So I think it's a lot of factors that went into it that allowed them to play well. Plus Utah was is a really young ball club, and last year they could have had an opportunity to develop to where they wouldn't be as young, but because of the situation with the COVID, that didn't happen as much to the level. Let's not forget, so two years ago, they lost so many guys, not just to eligibility exhaustion, but to the NFL. And then last year, they played, they played five games, but nobody on that team at all played before 64,000. That was the very first time the majority of those kids had anybody outside of a smattering of people, and that doesn't count if you have a thousand or two at the top, so they didn't have that. So you factor all those things in there, and the uh, Cougars took advantage of it. That last note's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. 
No, I mean, Kyle, the, Kyle Whittingham said that defensively they just physically got pushed around in the second half, but on offense he said they missed a lot of assignments. And every Monday morning we have Nick Ford on, the Ute Center. He's really good. He's a good interview. What time? And he, 7.30. Right. And and he Let's said seven thirty appointment listening. He said they missed a lot. There were, he called them miscoms. There were miscoms. So you know BYU changes up their front. They're trying to communicate with everyone who you're blocking, and they missed. How much of that is crowd noise? Because guys just aren't used to it and don't handle it, don't react quickly enough, and turns into a bad play for Utah and a great play for BYU. Interesting times. The long-term ramifications of all what we've been through in the last 18 months is going to linger for a long time. It's interesting to see. I mean, even just like on the jazz end, like Udoka Azabuki and Elijah Hughes, they just have missed so much. Like they're just so far behind. Like, you know, Doke got some nice time in the summer league and, you know, Elijah's doing nice things as they kind of doing OTAs right now, but they're just, you know, particularly Elijah, when you think about the fact he played at Syracuse, right? So he didn't really play real defense. And he's now got to come out and try to learn how to play. Well, he just missed, you know, he got a little bit of bubble time and really no G League and no, you know, and then also like no, the things like the amount of things these guys have missed, even from like the workouts that you do pre-draft are really valuable because coaches are explaining to you terminology and the way you want to guard things. So you actually learn in every single one of those as you go, but they didn't do any of those. So, you know, we have a whole draft class in the NBA, or two, that I think has been vastly impacted. Yeah, so the the funny thing was uh, two years ago, so the year before last, when they had the big three-month break, we had Kenny Smith on our air, and a lot of people picked up on this. When they resumed play in the bubble, he was saying that, like Mitchell, instead of a second-year player, he was a third-year player because right. he had all that time to develop and study and blah, blah, blah. So he came back at, like it was the next season, even though it was a continuation. So what you're saying, basically, now the downside of this this season is those kids who would be in their second year, really, progression-wise, are they rookies? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Doken and Elijah Hughes are basically rookies right now. I think they're start, you know they're starting from scratch, and so from our standpoint as a good team, you just really can't expect you're going to get anything out of them. Like they just need to go to the G League and play 40 minutes a night every night, because that's what they should have done last year. You know, Kevin Pelton maybe had a better line on that whole thing than Kenny Smith did. He just thought it was the natural chronology, but we just we put everything into seasons, right? Yeah. But he actually just thought it was the natural chronology. They were just five months long farther along. It just wasn't in the five months where we usually see guys play. So it's like seeing the nephew who you haven't seen for five months who grows a lot. If you're there every day, you right. don't see the player improving. But when you don't see him for five months, then you think, wow, this player took a step forward. Right. Just like this or the 60-year-old a... weight gain. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, good point. Okay. Yeah, the weight gain. Right. Maybe the or weight, the 50 weight loss. Weight loss. Come on now. <laughs> I think you can see weight loss better than weight gain. In day to day. No, because I see Yach, and Yach's been dropping a lot of weight, and it didn't oh, I register. I thought it was obvious. It didn't register until I finally talked with him. What did with me? Well, Isn't you're, that great? you're a better Isn't person. Great, for great job, Jake. No, I could, you could see it in his face. That's the thing about it. You could see it. Not so much in the a body, the gut, but really in the face, because you look at the guy's face every day, and you can see it. I did. Did he gain, like, did he do, uh, this is what I did. When my wife got pregnant the first time, I, like, gained, like, 18 pounds. Sympathy? Pity weight? I don't know. Like, I think I gained more than she did. When we, if we have all these pictures, like, when the kids are born, she's like, looks fine. I look like a blip. <laughs> <laughs> 
ESPN came out with the projection for regular season wins. They had the Jazz tops in the West at 55, the Lakers next at 53. Kind of made sense to me. I figure the Lakers are going to be resting guys, don't care where they see, they're seated. But then I started wondering, do the Jazz really care where they're seated this year? Are they Now that they've had the best record in the NBA, do they move into the playoffs? They're way more important. What do you think? Didn't it seem like having the one seed was pretty important last year? Like, didn't we get kind of a cakewalk in the first round? That had we not screwed around with various injuries, we probably should have swept that series and been done in four. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right? Like, it's really interesting to me. So we lost the Clippers in the second round, who were really good. It wasn't a great matchup, and we there's this new narrative that like the first like that the that the first round doesn't matter. Like the playoff seeding didn't matter. I I would totally disagree. Like. Playoff seating totally mattered. We got a cakewalk in the first round, and we got to the second round. Had we like just kind of rolled around, if we had Dallas in the first round, how would it have gone? More difficult. Right. I mean, are we certain we would have even beat Luka? In? Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm pretty certain. We we play Memphis 10, ter- 10 series. They might get four games. And we don't hold our best player out for the first game. Like, right? Like, they... Like we lost the first game because Donovan didn't play and Rudy got in foul trouble for the first time all season long. So, like, but if we play Dallas, that's probably a six, seven game series. So I would say seeding's really important. And, you know, it was unfortunate that we got the Clippers in the second round and they happened to have matchups that were particularly difficult for us. And the Jazz will work for the next 82 games to try to find ways to better handle that than they did last year. You know, mainly guarding your man. Like, let's, I've rewatched the second half of that game. Like, the national narrative is absurd. The problem was that Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell were injured and guys turned the corner on them all game long. Donovan just couldn't move well enough. Mike couldn't either. And then, frankly, I can find a play where every other guy gets blown by. Joe, Jordan, anyone. Like, we just find it. Like, it's not hard. Just They just get blown by. And so the narrative out there that somehow, like, Rudy can't play in the playoffs is, is a laughable concept. The problem is if you can't guard your guy – and they just go one-on-one, head down to drive, that's a really big problem. The Jazz have to figure out whether they have guys in guard. That's a problem for everybody at any time. I mean, that's just the way it is in basketball. Uh, But the first round, though, just because you play a tougher matchup, does that have lingering effect? I mean, if you lose, obviously it's a major issue. Well, I mean, I just think you have a real chance. Like, I think there's seven teams that can win the West this year. I don't have the Warriors in that group, so if you include the Warriors, I think you catch to eight. But maybe maybe, maybe if you include the Warriors at seven. But I think there's seven teams that can win the West. So Utah, Phoenix, L.A., L.A., Denver, Dallas, I guess Golden State is seven. So there's seven teams that, like, here's what I think is so crazy about this. Let's go to Dallas for a second. If you tell me Dallas has to play in the playing game, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. If you tell me Dallas wins the West, yeah, I could see that. Like, well, that's how, I guess like, if you're going to put seven teams in as, as teams that can win the West, you have to put one of them in a playing game. That's just the way the right. math works. Right, but that's different than we've ever had before. The league's really different in this regard. So now, Denver to win the West? Dallas. I know, but you also had Denver in this group, and I have a hard time sure. with Denver. they got a major injury they're dealing with for most of the season, well, it looks like. They do, but two things to that. One is, you know, there is some feeling in Denver that Jamal could be back by All-Star break. But... In the initial offseason, um, I actually was talking to Jazz assistant coach Mike Wells about this for a long time yesterday, and he had some interesting thoughts. He disagreed with me on this a little bit, so he's probably smarter than I am, so I just want to put that caveat out there. Um, but here's my take on Denver. So they, they've lost Jamal Murray's 
possessions, which seems like a really big deal, except for the fact they're going to Michael Porter Jr., who's amazing offensively. Amazing. In the last, like, 24 games, this is not going to be perfect, but in the last 24 games when Jamal Murray was out, he shot 55% from the field, 47% from three, and shot, shot 22, scored 22 points a game. He's one of the seven most efficient players in the NBA. He's not that far off Kevin Durant offensively, like at the similar stage of their careers and maybe even beyond. He's incredible. They're not going to be hurt at all offensively. Jamal, losing Jamal Murray is not a problem for them because Michael Porter Jr. picks up those possessions and runs them better. Their bigger problem is going to be when Jamal Murray comes back, how you reintegrate him. They're, they're going to be fine offensively. They have two of the top ten offensive players in the league efficiency-wise, if Jokic has an MVP year again. The only question is whether the lack of Jamal Murray wears them down. Porter's a bad defensive player. Teams will take advantage of him. You know, he's had a back injury. Will he, will he be able to hold 82 games? Those are real issues. But if they don't have a significant injury, even without Jamal Murray, I think they're like number two or three offensive team in the Western Conference. They're great. So I have no problem putting Denver. In fact, if I had, like, I got asked yesterday by someone, who wins the West? And I just stuttered for like five minutes. I had no answer. And part of me actually went to Denver. Like, if Jamal Murray comes back and is healthy, which is a big if, yeah, I'm not sure that Denver with Aaron Gordon is your fourth best player at that point and, like, doesn't win the West. And Will Barton is your fifth best player, doesn't win the West. Do you have the Jazz in that? Um, I think the Jazz are in this grouping. Like, I mean, I kind of think there's, I think the te- seven teams have between like 10 and 18%, 10 and 19% of winning the, the conference. And I'd be really surprised if someone gets to 20% at any point where I think they have a one in five chance to win it. And it's just going to be a battle. It's going to be about matchups. I mean, the one team I really don't like is the Lakers. Like now I love LeBron James and I love Anthony Davis, but two things on that one is LeBron is getting older. Like I know he's still great, but he is getting older and I have every statistical trend I can show that he's not quite what he once was. Two, Anthony Davis has never done what Jokic did last year. And that's what that roster actually needs him to do. They need Anthony Davis to have an MVP season. Now, last year, Anthony Davis actually had a bad year. And I don't know whether he had a bad year because of COVID and all the stuff that's going on, or if there's something like his body's breaking down or something. He had a bad year last year. He was not actually particularly good if you look at him statistically or even defensively. They were great defensively, but like, now they've added Carmelo and Russell Westbrook and all these older guys. They're not good defensive players. So I'm totally lost on how the Lakers are scoring in the half court. They're going to have to play massive transition basketball where they're amazing. And But to get transition, they're going to have to defend at a really, really high level. And, you know, I'm not sure that their personnel matches their defense that they had a year ago. And then there's the whole Anthony Davis center question. Like, Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. Rich Paul's walking around town telling everyone they're going to play Anthony Davis the five and LeBron the four. But clearly, Anthony Davis doesn't want to, or they wouldn't be signing Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, and a bunch of other seven-foot stiffs that are 63 years old to play center. You buy the Clippers, though, because Paul George is figuring yeah. out the postseason for all the problems I he's do, had? I do, I do buy the Clippers because, same as Denver, I'm actually kind of contrary to the narrative on everyone, so we'll see whether I'm right or wrong over time. Like, I really like Portland, I really like Dallas, I really like Denver, and I really like the Clippers. And everybody else doesn't like those teams for various doubt, but like the, because of the Damian offseason. But they actually had a great offseason. They just didn't do anything splashy, and most national commentators just like Dame talk about Dame because Brian Windhorst has nothing else to talk about, so he's going to, oh, I'm sorry, he's going to talk about um, just, you know, whatever controversy he can have. 
The Clippers I like because, yes, they lost Kawhi Leonard and his 22 possessions a night, but it's not like Nicholas Batum and Marquise Morris and Reggie Jackson and even Terrence Mann or Serge Ibaka if he's healthy, which I doubt it, but any of the, it's not like those guys are upset they get three more possessions a game. They've actually all had to sacrifice greatly to be on that roster, and now they don't have to sacrifice. And they're all really, really good. So you, if Paul George can handle being the number one guy for the year, which he seems to have made great strides in his career. Now, he traditionally has these really, really bad months, and that'll kill him. But if he doesn't have that, if he's busted through that like 40% shooting, 31% month that he's had in almost every year of his career, that month's going to cost him. They'll go 7-7 seven and seven in that month. But otherwise, they're going to be really good, too. We saw it firsthand, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was he was answering the bell night after night. There was none of the a boxing analogy shrinking from the moment. All right. <laughs> Thank you, PK. All so right, David. I, and, like, we'll... I don't like, and I don't and I don't really like the Warriors. Like everyone's all in love with the Warriors because Clay Thompson's coming back. That like so this is a non-playoff team last year, whose best player had an unbelievable season. Can't get much better than Steph was last year whose second-best player, Draymond Green, is noticeably getting older and not can't move the same way. Still great, but noticeably different. Who added two rookies. Rookies, have never, rookies, excluding Donovan Mitchell, just about never help you win in any way, shape, or form. And even Donovan that year wasn't very efficient. I mean, Don, rookies are not helpful in this Kareem league. was good, though. Yes, okay, 1968. <laughs> yes, we got it. Uh, Magic Johnson, 1979. Woohoo! Um, bird. <laughs> Bird, 1979. Woo! We are relevant right now. Um, TVs were in black and white, but we're going to use that as a reference. Wow, point. you had a TV in '79. I did. I even had a. Com- I had a computer a year later. How about that? Um, but not in '79. We didn't. We didn't have computers yet. But we're going to use that as our reference point. So rookies aren't helpful. So they add Moody and they add Kamunga. But like, who cares? And then, so the whole reason we're basing the Warriors on getting better is that Clay Thompson, who hasn't played basketball in two years, is coming off an ACL and Achilles, and is not back until maybe January. Yeah, is going to be the difference idiot. maker. Like, like I'm not buying this at all on the Warriors, and I'm not buying the Lakers. So the world's buying the Lakers and Warriors. The world is saying no to the Blazers, Denver, and the Clippers, and I'm saying yes to all the, those teams. And uh-huh. the one thing I think Phoenix is going to be really, really good, but Chris Paul's got to healthy. But Chris. I'll wrap on this just as we're like, by the time we talk next week, we'll actually be like a day away from media day or three days away from media day. There's five players in the Western conference. who I think can get noticeably can get better. Like, I don't think there was a single move in the Western conference that made any team notch better than they were a year ago, but Mikel Bridges, Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton are all going to be better. Donovan Mitchell can get better. And Michael Porter Jr. Can get better. Did you know, Oscar Robertson was three tenths of a, an assist away from averaging a triple-double when he was only 22 and 60-61? You know, I did. Um, <laughs> again, so John F. Kennedy was the president? That's about right, yeah. 62, was it? Was it 62 or 63? For the assassination? Yeah. yeah 63? I think 63. Okay. Because he's, he's in Dallas for re-election campaign. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. November 22, 1963. Yeah. You're Stanford Cardinal going to Vanderbilt. You got one coach fired, so you're off to a good start I know. This you lose to Stanford and you get your, you lose your job. Yeah. We really must suck. I, will be, I didn't Sunday watch it. We went too. off the grid over the weekend. I watched the Stanford-Kansas State game. They were so bad. I didn't think I could actually muster watching another – like, I've never felt this way about a team that I root for. They were so bad. 
so dreadful offensively against Kansas State that I literally was like, I don't think I can watch this. Like, I'll see. I don't think I can do it. Like, it's it was so three and out, run in the middle, throw a bad pass, run up the middle. Like, it was so oh. dreadful. And then they scored like sixty three points against fifty whatever forty five against USC. Holy cow! I mean, I, from what I saw in the first game was Kansas State. Clay Helton maybe should have been fired. But God, can you can you run a worse organization than firing a coach in the second game? Like if every business book you've ever read in your entire life or how to do anything, like go to Herb Keller's book in, about Southwest Airlines. Like good managers know in the first two weeks about their employees, and if they're not good, they actually exit immediately and let them go in the first two weeks. Like you know, like if you're firing Clay Helton in the second game of the season. What were you doing in the offseason? You clearly didn't believe in him. Like, what a joke. Yeah, it's OPR. They didn't think they could justify firing him after going 5-1 and one in that short season. But and they, they wanted him out. They wanted him out for four years. they didn't believe in him the year before that, right? No, like, they've what won, are they doing? They've wanted him out since at least 2018. It's been a long so time. So what are you doing? Just so bad. It's like, you, like, that group, it's like giving a chef, like, the best ingredients in the world... And then letting no the dog choices. lick everything. Right, and having him somehow screw it up. We'll leave it right there, David. We appreciate it. We, we will so talk to you again to next week. Yeah, Arkansas kicking the crap out of Texas last week? That's like the greatest. Like, oh, we're going to screw you and go to the SEC. Ah! Oh, no, what have we done? Two and ten, here we come. Uh, I think America's here for Texas at two and ten. Think- oh, my gosh, it's like so great. Just these yeah, keep to keep talking about how great you were in the past instead of rebranding yourself. Like I'm sure that Xerox is still trying to sell. Like they're doing great. David Locke brought to you by Kodak every week right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Thank you, David. See you. Coming up, Brent Brigham, Air Force B writer for the Gazette in Colorado Springs, will join us at 8:30. A couple of two and O teams playing Saturday night in Colorado Springs, and Doug Haller. Arizona State rider for the Athletic. A couple of 2 0 teams will be playing in Provo Saturday night. He'll be here at 9 30. DJ and PK, it's 975 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. The Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, Weaver State fans, your ninth-ranked football team takes on number three-ranked James Madison tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Purchase your tickets now at WeaverStateSports.com or by calling 801-626-8500. 801-626-8500. Weaver State and James Madison, Saturday night, 6 o'clock in Ogden. Biggest non-con game in school history. Not counting playoffs, of course. Biggest regular season non-con game. Bigger than going to play the Utes. Oh, yeah. That's this gravy. This is real, man. This is how you judged. 
selection committee will be looking at this when they're figuring Hardcore. out seedings. Yeah, big game. James Madison is making the trip here. All right, coming up, your predictions for this weekend. The question of the day. We got a lot of you weighing in right now. What is going to happen this weekend? It's Call Your Shot Friday right now. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone, use our app, use the open mic feature, and send us the audio, and Yach will play it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Rod from Lynn Wright Mortgage. And Rod, you've got deals for people. You can save them money, and other lenders can't compete. Explain why you make that claim. Yeah, so one of the great reasons to work with us is that we're independent. So we work with the top lenders in the nation. So we have the ability to go out and independently shop all of those lenders and do your loan with the one that's got the lowest rate and fees. So we're not doing the loan ourselves. We're strictly independently shopping the premier lenders in the country. And then we leverage our discounts with those lenders to pass that savings along to each of our clients. So that's one of the reasons why we've got our freedom loan in comparing the bank and credit union rates. We can get you a no cost loan. So looking at the largest credit union in the state, comparing with them, we're $5,500 lower at the exact same interest rate as the biggest credit union in the state. So that savings just passes right into your pocket and uh, gets you a lower payment, a lower interest rate. And you've got rates all the way down into the ones. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so for those who are looking to get that loan paid off sooner rather than later on our 10 to 15 year fixed rate conventional loans, 1.75%. We're doing a lot of those to help people get that mortgage knocked out sooner. So if people want to get a hold of you, what is the best way to contact you, get more information, and uh, see how this can work for them? Yeah, best way is just pick up the phone, call us at 801-APPROVE, or visit us on the web at LendRightMortgage.com. LendRight Mortgage online at LendRightMortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. The Utah RV Super Show is back at the Mount America Expo Center in Sandy, September 16th through the 19th. Join the big show Thursday and Friday from 2 to 7 p.m. and see the newest technology and latest trends in RVs. It is time to call your shot on a football Friday. What's going to happen? Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook, DJ and PK. Grab your phone, use the 1280 The Zone app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your audio. We'll get it on the air. And here comes a big time call your shot. U State Iceman tweets at us, uh, look at the mistake these jokers did. Go Aggies. On the official Air Force football account, it says looking forward to this week's matchup. And they got Air Force at the line of scrimmage in this photo. And then behind it in a big block graphic, it says 35-7. to yeah, so? Calling their shot. Who? I assume Air Force. <laughs> what do you mean, who? Well, how do you call your shot if you assume? That's not exactly calling your shot. Well, they're not putting shot. that up to say they're going to get beat 35-7, to 7, are they? I, I have no idea. Hence, who? <laughs> I don't know. And you said assume, so even you don't know. Because assume does not make concrete. 
Look that up. When's the last time a Zoom made concrete? Never happened. <laughs> so I don't know. 35-7 to 7 is a reminder of last year's score, so they're still rubbing it in. It was 35-7 to 7 last year. Between who? Air Force and Utah State. So he's an Air Force fan? Is that where we're going with this? Because I am. He's a Utah State fan who's bitter that Air Force is tweeting out last year's final score in advance of this year's game, just rubbing it in like they're going to dominate him again. It's bulletin board material, old school, although it's social media, so it's new school. Yeah, well, school's out for summer. School's (laughs) out. I had no idea what you're talking about. Call your shot. What is going to happen? And Matthew says Weber State football gets the upset of the year to date in the FCS, 30-29 to against James Madison. Do they put lines on that game? I assume somewhere in the universe there's a line, but I have not seen What's it. What's with the assume all of a sudden, man? Everything you're assuming. I have not seen it. Could well be out there. Someone's got a line on that. Send it to us. We want to see what it is. Yes. Who will win? <laughs> We're setting a record there. <laughs> I was waiting for your deep thought. Utah State Eisman says lots of wins by the best teams in the state. Go Aggie. That's all that matters. Utah State 21, Air Force 7. Wow. Defensive. Just, just dominating Air Force's offense. Seven points in a college football game. That is a low number. The Aggies, best team in the state, huh? We'll never know. It'll never, ever, ever be decided on the field. You have to go uh, comparative scores if Utah State can beat BYU and BYU beat Utah because Utah's not playing Utah State. Yeah, and that's always tough to do. Open yourself up to interpretation on that. That's the best you have is interpretation, feelings, thoughts, those types of things rather than facts. But the best team in the state, mm, that didn't really get you much. Bragging rights over your friends and neighbors and family yeah, members. But, but it can't be proven, so it's not anything. Even if it could be proven that the state of football in the state is so far beyond best team in the state. If you're there 12 and 0, big, then that's sure. Right. But there are bigger prizes out there. Right. That's what I'm saying. This, this maybe at one point, I don't know. That that's might have been something that meant something, but now it doesn't. No, they're they're all in uh, soon to be with obviously in the Cougars in a couple of years the uh, their own conferences, and so that is going to mean a whole lot. Best team in the state is just talk, and, and that's sports radio, so talk is appropriate. We get that, but each of these teams they don't set out best team in the state on three. They're far beyond that. Because they've got great opportunities to succeed. For, for, for the BYU, it's to win all your games. I guess it's supposed to be New Year's Six, too. But certainly Utah State, that's it. And for the Cougars or the Utes, it's the Rose Bowl. So with that in mind, those are legitimate goals. And when BYU gets in there in, in two years, it'll be to win the Big 12. Yeah, that that's where it's a, that's where it's about at and what it's about. 
And those are good spots to be in. So the state of football, it's going to be unusual here to have three D1 programs like that all in different conferences. It's like the Kinahan clan. There's three siblings. All of us went to different high schools. That's unusual. That is unusual. Yes. Three, three brothers in my generation, and we all went to the same high school. Right. That's dog by man kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. All the kids went to the same high school. And so think about it, man. They'll have Mountain West, obviously Pac-12 and Big 12. That'll be, that'll be cool. They have a representation stretching virtually the entire country. You know, with Florida. I was going to say half the country, but with UCF coming in, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And West Virginia's in, so that's two teams in the Eastern yeah. time zone. Cincinnati, I guess, would be three. I would like that. If I can't have, I would prefer BYU and Utah be in the Pac-12 and Colorado out just for the symmetry of it in oh, front nice. of it. The symmetry? Yeah. Or symmetry? <laughs> the um, symmetry. Yeah. Send Colorado back to the Big 12, put BYU in the Pac-12. Yeah, but they will never do that. It's not going to happen. This is the next best thing, and to have that in there, and you can say, "Oh, the Big Twelve, they are it's the it's the water down." All it is is Oklahoma leaving in football. That's it. That's it. So the Big Twelve then consisted entirely of Oklahoma because Texas hadn't d- done anything. Kids are growing up thinking, "Man, why is my old man making a big thing out of Texas?" True story. You know, I mean, it's been on and on and on, and Sarkeesian has no track record of winning big. He's got a track record of seven and six. Yeah, which keeps is, getting plum jobs. Which is what Texas has uh, fired coaches for doing, is going seven and six. Yeah, maybe he'll turn it around individually here. Good for him. If he does, great. I don't hold any Yeah, but it goes back to what Locke was just laughing about. Arkansas has been the bottom of the SEC West. Last or next to last. I know, but this is the second game. Yeah. I mean, so I didn't expect them to be great in his second game of the but season. There's a long way to go. There is, yeah. No matter who the coach was. With Saban, I wouldn't expect them to take on the world in their second game. You've got to, you've got to realistically give people time to build something. So, to, to downgrade the Big Twelve, I think to a degree is ignorant. Yes, it's a blow that Oklahoma left, but that's it. Certainly not going to downgrade them in hoops. No one's going to do that. You don't sound like a blithering idiot. It's funny now when uh, Kalani's asked about it, he sort of cringes. They had, he was on ESPN yesterday uh, doing an interview. Now he was done, the interview, the guy who did the interview is Matt Berry, not the old quarterback at uh, BYU, the ESPN guy. The ASU who Sun is a Devil. hardcore Sun Devil grad. <laughs> yes. He loves him some Sun yeah, Devils. He's on social media and people, he does interviews in the Phoenix area talking about the Sun Devils, all blah, blah, blah. And so he asked him, he started out with, hey man, you have a chance to go 3-0 and in the conference, uh, you sure you want to leave it? And he meant it as a joke, but Kalani didn't take it as a joke. It fell flat. And you could tell he wanted to talk about the Big 12, but Kalani didn't want to talk about that. That's still two years away. You know, what's the difference two years from now? It doesn't matter. Who knows what's going to happen in two years? Kalani very well could be coaching someplace else. Uh, I'm looking at you, Utah. You don't Keep think- winning. People are going to come calling. Yeah, That's for a sure. fact. For sure. Yeah. You'll have to practice his answers that everyone's given on the USC job right now. And I can remember, a couple of weeks back, I said, oh, they extended him right before the Big 12, and I think it was trying to put a, uh, a st- stability foot for the Big 12, and some people might have poo-pooed that, but I was told no. That That's that, what they were trying to do. That was the part problem, of the deal. The problem with trying to do it is— It worked. There is the, no problem. You think it worked? They got in the Big 12! 
Yes, it worked. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying that they were trying to um, let everyone know he's their guy and no reason to come calling because he's locked up. No, they can't control that. Right, exactly. No, no That's what I was that. getting. No. That's how I took that. It was stability. Look at the look. BYU, no, I was wondering BYU, to the Big Twelve. We are the definition of stability. We will just right. We'll help your conference immensely. For a conference that doesn't have stability, look at us. We got this stuff buttoned up over here. Yeah, right. I get that part of it. We've extended the problem coaches is you can left only, and right. You can only be so buttoned up because other people have so well, much yeah, money. I mean, you can never right control what other people are going to do. They're right. gonna th- and then it's up to the individual. And I'm hearing that if they win, if they if they roll this season, people are calling. There's going to be plenty of opportunities, including USC. All right. Yeah. Wow. That That's as big an opportunity as you get. But they would be there would be interest on behalf of USC's part. I don't know about Kalani. I'm not saying that at all. I don't know. And maybe he can use it to pry some more money out of. Uh, well, it's what he chooses. BYU. Because he could use that. <laughs> he could if he chose. He no, wouldn't be the no, first. No, no, no. But because, the, the, you no, he can. No, I disagree. BYU has to give him the money. Just because I choose to use this job as leverage, but if you don't give me the money, then what's the difference? So and B- BYU, BYU doesn't open chosen, the purse strings. BYU has chosen to stay in the ballpark. Now they're always on the edge of the ballpark, pay wise. But. Oh, the extreme edge. They're yes. like at uh, Petco Park. Now they're way out there. They're not <laughs> actually in the park, but you can see the stadium with binoculars. So, are they going to be willing to keep giving people first time jobs when they're trying to compete in the Big 12 in I, football, which I will be hard, and basketball, which will be very difficult? That. Right. that needs to be over. Which means they're going to have to pay more. Because that's why you get first-time people. Now, They'll it depends take on what a first-time is. It Jeff does. Grimes was a yes. first-time coordinator. It does. But he had 20 years of experience. He was ready for the job. Right. Kyle was Dave a, Rose was ready for the job. Kyle Whittingham was a first-time coach at Utah. Ready for the job. And he was ready for the job. Yeah. Everyone wanted to see him get it because they thought it's time. Ty Detmer, it is time. not ready for the job. Right. Bronco... Not ready for the job, but it works out. Right, exactly. The kind of reach you wouldn't want to make in the Big 12. Even though it might work out, even though it did work out in the Mountain West area, that would be in the Big 12. That would be a huge leap of faith. It's Big 12! <laughs> Brother! I, I think that uh, they're in a much better position now. As the years go by, they'll be in much better positions, though, so that'll work in their favor. They'll have more LDS guys if they choose to have that unwritten requirement come to pass who will have more and more qualifications. One of the best things they ever did for the LDS candidate of coaching pooling pool is to have all those guys take off to Virginia. More opportunity, more guys getting experience right. at the same time. Right. Now, I don't know all the LDS coaches out there, uh, but it seems like there's never been more. No, but I think your point about Virginia is strong and probably underappreciated, uh, that it's more people getting a chance to coach, to recruit, yeah. build resumes, yeah. build a, a network. Absolutely. Because it's not necessary. It could be someone comes back from Virginia to BYU, but it could be somebody with experience in Virginia that moves on to another school, and then they come back. Or they're and coordinators. They, and they start building networks. Right. They become coordinators and start hiring other guys. Yeah. For sure. The yeah. coaching tree. I'm looking at you, Kelly Papinga. One of the names on the list. Absolutely. Great man. He's probably the most yeah. prime of all of those. Played there. Not the freakazoid that Brady is. And I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> we love you, Brady. 
Brady's just Kelly he's, has he's been on there. our show acknowledging that Brady can be out there, and yeah. Kelly's got to bring him back, bring him back down to earth occasionally. Oh, Kelly's a great, great dude. Yeah. Love that guy, and he's just getting more and more experience. So those guys uh, wouldn't surprise me. Virginia has to have success, of course, because success breeds interest in you. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if they start branching off. Anai, maybe it's a little different. He's getting up there. Anai's got to be close to sixty. Maybe he. Not that you couldn't go somewhere and be great at 60. I'm not saying that. But he's he's been set. He's been tied with Bronco now for a number of years. Uh, but, yeah, they're building that. And then, of course, there's Jay Hill. I would hire Jay Hill like this. I'm biased. We're biased. I'm totally biased. Uh, because we've seen firsthand what he's done. And so he's there. Uh, and A Mountain West team ought to take a shot at him. I would prefer San Diego State do it. Yeah, I don't know what his interest is there, nor San Jose State has an opportunity to be a good football team themselves. Yep. I'm not gonna, it may not be an opening. Yeah. Or um, they might be good. Or, I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. It might be good very, and he can leave. Yeah, yeah so, I got it. You never know. You are where you are on the food but chain. the point is yeah. that the LDS coaching pool is growing by the season, and that's beneficial for BYU. But, man, the thing about it here, if you let one of your own go, Bronco was never one of your own. He came in for an LDS guy who preached religion and wore it on his sleeve. He still wasn't one of your own. But Kalani played there. He is one of your own, man. Kalani played there. It's a different He is deal. a BYU brother. He is a Lavelle Edwards disciple. You can't let him go. You just can't let him go, man. You got to do whatever it takes. And if that means paying stuff. And the, the thing about it is your fan base isn't going to go, oh my gosh, BYU's paying outrageous money. What the crap are they doing? No, no they're, they're going to say, yes, they're paying big time dough. This is awesome news. Way to go, brother. They're going to celebrate it. They're not going to say, oh, can you believe it? They're getting in the rat race. They're of the world. Next thing you know, they're going to let this, this, and this happen in the church. No. It's Division One football. It's the Big 12. That's, You're fetching right. That's going to be so useful going I, forward. I, I <laughs> that a, drop is so useful. I had a conversation with somebody actually earlier this week who said, okay, well, BYU finally opened up the coffers. And I said, well, that's the hope, Well, I that's think. two different things, though. To, to lead the charge as the pay uh, increases is one thing. We're talking about, is BYU going to be in the middle of the pack? Yeah, but maybe Kalani... In the middle of the Big con- 12 Maybe pack. he would be content with that. Maybe a, a million-dollar raise, which is still $3 million short of what Mike Gundy makes, may seem outrageous. But to Kalani, that may seem great. And he's got kids there. He wants to live that. It seemed great for Lavelle Edwards. He's that's, stayed there all those years. That's, that's all true. And so how do you know it wouldn't be person, for the same man here? Same type of principle. It comes down to what the person wants. Yeah. And I think it also matters when an employer offers that. If you offer it... After somebody else has offered it, and there's one foot out the door, it seems kind of hollow. But if you're preempted with it, and you offer it up front, I think it has the same number of dollars have a bigger impact. Okay, hold on here a second. Babble for another... No, I got it now. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) That will stop the babbling. They gave him a decent contract. That's what I'm told. Okay. So they've, they've already done. They may have to do more. But they've done. Yeah. And they've obviously done enough because he's here and he's happy and he's winning games. 
All right, DJ and PK, and we are joined this morning by Rod from LendRight Mortgage. They've got deals for you. They can save you money with something called a freedom loan. And Rod, you want to explain what a freedom loan is and how it'll save our listeners money? Yeah, the freedom loan is a loan that allows you to refinance, get that lower rate without paying the closing costs. So, for example, if you've refinanced in the last year or two, you've got a rate of 3% right now. We can do the freedom loan refi. That'll drop your rate at least a quarter of a percent. And then you can put that money back into the principal of the mortgage. That'll allow you to pay the loan off a couple of years sooner and save you about 15% in the total interest paid on your loan. Great thing is, is we cover 100% of the closing costs. So your savings start day one and it'll put on a $300,000 loan uh, Twenty to thirty thousand dollars in your pocket by reducing the interest you're going to pay. You've got rates in the ones, which when I read this seemed like a spectacularly low number. How do you do that? Yeah, so we've just got a network of the premier lenders in the country, so we shop those and those best lenders on those shorter terms, the ten to fifteen year mortgage terms we can get a rate of 1.75%. So if you're a few years into a 30-year term, we can refi you, drop that rate down quite a bit, and save you a bunch in interest. And if people want to get a hold of you, they want to learn more, they want you to go over their specific situation and see how it works for them, how do they reach out to you and contact you? Yeah, the best way is uh, our team members. You can call us at 801 Approve and talk to somebody on the phone, or you can visit us at lendrightmortgage.com and fill out a free quote request form and we can get back to you. 801 approved. That's 801 277 7683. 801 277 7683. 801 approved or lendrightmortgage.com. Thank you, Rod. Thank you. The Big Show. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Bruce Feldman from The Athletic has come up with a list of possible replacements for Clay Hilton at USC. Bruce says one other intriguing name among the sitting head coaches a Pac-12 source mentioned is BYU Satake. Kalani's deserving of that kind of consideration. My experience with USC through the years, I just don't know if Kalani is a big enough name for them. I've also seen a list with Kyle Whittingham's name on it. I don't think Kyle's going anywhere. No, and I would put the likelihood of Kalani getting that job low for some of the reasons you're alluding to, but I will say I think he would do a good job at USC. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined by Brent Brigham, an Air Force B-Rider for the Gazette in Colorado Springs. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Brent, good morning. Good morning. We're having howling winds here in Colorado Springs this morning, so hopefully that doesn't carry over to tomorrow afternoon. The kind of wind you walk outdoors and you got to lean into and you're uncomfortable from the second the door opens, that kind of howling wind? One of those. One of those where you've got to lock every door or else it's just howling. <laughs> you just hear the sound and it just all the way through your bones. And it brought in fall with it, too. It's like 43 degrees. So this is uh, it's quite a morning we're having. 
So I'm curious, after two games, what you really know about Air Force, because they, they handle Lafayette pretty easily, they're supposed to, and then Navy is way down, so they dominate that game and win. What do you know for sure about Air Force after two games? I know they're really good against the run. Even when Navy's down, you don't hold them to 68 total yards of offense without having a, a really stout run defense. Uh, beyond that, I really don't know much more than I knew, you know, in early August. You know, we just haven't seen enough of them yet. They haven't needed to open the playbook, and or, or they just can't. I don't know which it is. Uh, there's still a lot of mysteries with the team, but I do know defensively they are very stout, at least against the run. Plus, two, it's hard to draw upon last year. I mean, they went like a month without even playing a game. Uh, so a lot of it with Air Force, you know, is the continuity of their program. Uh, so how much can you draw upon, because it's so earlier in the year, what you saw last year? Well, that's even more so than just the COVID stuff. They had most of their defense took what they called turnbacks last year, right? where basically the superintendent of the academy offered anybody a chance, even though if they could prove some sort of hardship or if they just wanted to get away because of the, the virus, they could leave for a semester or a year yep. and then just tack that time on to the end of their time at the academy. So a lot of football players, once the Mountain West side, you know, decided for a while there wasn't going to be a season, most of the defense left for the semester. And so they're now back. But so they played last year with a, a shoestring defense. I mean, they had to find guys from offense, you know, second string guys. It was a it was a really weird year and they still shut out New Mexico and played really well against Utah State. One you know, they went three and three. But now they have all the guys who were supposed to be starters back and they're mixed in with the guys who did play last year. So it, you can't draw anything from last year because it was not the same personnel on defense. But you do know that because those guys who played, played well and got experience, and now they're, they're mixed with the more talented guys. That kind of goes into what I'm talking about with this defense being so good. So one thing we learned covering Utah and BYU for years in the WAC and the Mountain West, and PK and I have both been here since the early 90s, so we've seen a lot of Air Force football. When they get a senior quarterback and they get a guy who's got 20, 25 games under his belt, they are usually really good. There's a whole list of senior quarterbacks who've just crushed it at Air Force. Zeke Daniels is a junior, six games last year, two games this year. Where is he on that progression from, I'm figuring this out, to... I am going to destroy everybody I face. Where is he in that progression? He's a lot closer to figuring it out. He had a weird freshman year. He was injured throughout the season and then also in the spring. So he basically took no reps as a freshman. And then he wasn't supposed to be the guy last year. But Donald Hammond, who was one of those guys you're talking about, one of those seniors who's going to destroy everybody, he lost eligibility last year, and he's now no longer part of the program. So Hazik Daniels is kind of thrust into this without that year of, you know, backing everybody up. And so, and he only really played five games. You know, he started all six, but he left really, really against Boise. So, and it was that start and stop year. So it was a strange season. And now we only had the two games this year. So he's still really early in that progress. And, you know, we really don't know that much about him as a player. You know, he's done really well against down teams. And then, you know, against the better teams, he's, he's kind of been hit or miss. So he's, he still has to figure out consistency. You know, we have seen some throwing ability and some running ability, but we haven't really seen it all together very often the way we have when Air Force is really running on all cylinders. So, you know, he could very well turn that corner at any minute, but he hasn't yet. So I, I still think if Air Force is going to have a strong season, it's going to be on the strength of the defense, on the strength of the running game, 
and then he's just going to have to help where he can, but he's not going to be the one carrying the load, at least not not at this point. So that defense you speak of, you got a piece uh, that I think it ran uh, yesterday on one of their better defenders. Love the name, T.D. Blackman. That's a great football <laughs> name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's one of these guys. He signed in February of 2017. That was his senior year of high school. And, I mean, I guess it's not that, you know, in Utah, obviously, a lot of guys take missions and whatnot. Yeah. So it takes a while before you actually see them. But it's not really the case usually at Air Force. But he, he went to the prep school. He didn't play as a really a freshman or sophomore. And then last year he took a turn back. So he's been in this program for five years, and we're just now seeing him. But he's, you know, he's about six foot two thirty five and just has a nose for the football. And he's playing next to a guy who's even a little bigger and who's older and so on the inside, they're just very sure tacklers, very instinctive football players, and with you know NFL type size, but they're both six foot to six two, two forty ish. You know, they this is not one of those undersized Air Force teams. It's going to be scrappy, and you know they've got some defenders who who if they go to the combine, you know if they weren't wearing Air Force, you wouldn't know they weren't you know power five you know big time guys. So I'm used to watching Air Force and seeing guys break long runs, and it's two games into the season, and uh, Lafayette's the kind of team you should overwhelm. So I thought I'd see some gaudy stats, but Brad Roberts, the leading running back, is averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Is there a running back who's got real speed, who's a breakaway guy? Does that exist? Well, Roberts could be that guy. I mean, he was a high school sprinter. Uh, but he he bulked up a little bit to play fullback, so he you know he his runs were all coming between the tackles. They've got some guys on the outside who they just again because these game plans have been very vanilla, just because they haven't needed to be anything. But we haven't really seen the full offensive complement. But there's a guy, a sophomore, Micah Davis, who's from a program outside of Atlanta. He was high school teammates with Justin Fields. Uh, he was. You know, he's a burner. Against Lafayette, he, he had 100 total yards of offense on something like four touches, and it would have been a lot more, but there was a downfield block that was called on a receiver that negated a 60-yard touchdown from him. So he's, he's one of those guys who can be a game-breaker. And they've got Brandon Lewis. There's a number of those kind of Z-receiver, pull type guys they have that they always have. But Brad Roberts is going to be the one that consistently. And he's, you know, he's about a 215, 220-pound bowling ball who – who again, when he gets some space, he can run. But I think they're they're content with six or seven yards a lot of time from him. And and against Navy, it was just you know Navy knows how to defend this offense, so it was a lot of two yard runs, a lot of punts in that game. It was it was a hard game to watch, but Air Force you know eventually just overcame them because they could play defense through the whole game, and Navy just couldn't get anything going. So you mentioned Davis and Lewis, and they're listed as receivers, and we know uh, covering Air Force for many, many years that they don't throw the ball that much, but when they do, it's important that they have high percentages and completions and big plays. Do they have the capability of a big play in the passing game? And you talked about how you know they really haven't unveiled that much. Do you think we'll see more of it against the Aggies? I, you know, it's, it's always if they need it. You know, if... If they can run all day and not throw, that's their preference because obviously, you know, the old adage, when you throw, there's two, three things that can happen and two of them are bad. You know, so Air Force would much rather just take their four or five yards on the ground. But when they do throw, certainly from the skill position standpoint, they're fine. They've got a tight end 
Al Patterson, who was he had an offer from Alabama that he turned down to come to the economy. And then on the outside, David Cormier is another one of these guys who's been in the program for five years, but is just now getting to play. And he's kind of the same body type as Gerard Sanders and uh, Jalen Rodman, who led the nation in yards per care, yards per catch. And he's he's kind of the same same guy, so he can certainly burn defenses. But well, you know, we don't know yet if Hazik Daniels can consistently get them the ball. That's the you know, and then also a brand new offensive line. Line and so can they give them time to throw? You know, we haven't really seen this yet because they haven't needed it. But I, I skill, position, skill position talent is there. It's just a matter of can the scheme and can Hazik Daniels make it all work the way it has in the past. And that's one of those things I'm excited to see now, especially if they're locked in a tight game and they need to really open it up. You know, can they do that when they need it? Brent Brigham joining us, Air Force beat writer for the Gazette. In Colorado Springs, in Windy, Colorado Springs, covering Air Force, and Utah State will be at Air Force. To go bigger picture here, the dominoes are falling. Oklahoma and Texas started off by moving to the SEC. The Big 12 grabs BYU from Independence, and then they go get UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati out of the American. And now there's all kinds of lists out there about what the American might do. But one is a Western division that involves... Some combination of Air Force, Boise State, CSU, San Diego State, you know, basically the top third of the Mountain West. Does that seem like Air Force would be interested in that? It would put them in the same league with Navy, so maybe that makes some sense. What do you what do you know? What do you hear? What do you think? So Air Force hasn't tipped its hands really at all on what it's thinking. I do know, you know, when the Big Twelve opened up a spot a couple years ago, or everybody thought they were. You know, Air Force made a run to try to get into the Big 12. So it's not like they're, you know, content to just be in the Mountain West and, you know, they don't, don't have aspirations for something bigger. You know, I don't know how this is all going to play out. Nobody does really at this point. But I, you know, the fact that they could go from a $4 million payout from the TV deal to $7 million in the American makes me think they're at least going to listen. And you mentioned the Navy being in the conference. You know, that would, on years they played Navy as a conference game, but have a little more flexibility with their schedule to either bring in an opponent and get some more home, you know, get a home out or take a money game elsewhere. There's a lot they would have to consider there. But I think, you know, money, money talks at Air Force just the way it does everywhere else. So I think they wouldn't be the one to do it on their own. But I think a big part of this is making sure the power shifts. You know, if they're going to take all these teams from Mountain West, then the American once again, you know, becomes the predominant uh, group of five conference. But if everybody stays in Mountain West, then the Mountain West is the top group of five. And so I think there's a lot you have to kind of weigh with that. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if all these teams go just because the American does have the better TV deal. But, you know, the part of me, <laughs> because Air Force has been a part of this conference from the beginning and because a lot of these, you know, New Mexico, Wyoming, Utah State, are, you know, regional teams, I hope they stay because I still think geography matters in rivalries. But you know, the fact that, I mean, San Diego State almost joined the Big East at one point. So obviously geography has totally gone out the window if you're talking about San Diego in the Big East. So, you know, it, we'll see. But I think it does make a lot of sense that the American would, would try to get all these teams. And again, because it has a good TV deal, I think it has some leverage in that respect. But it would be, it would be a shame to see the Mountain West go that direction. You know, if, ever, if all these teams left, it would be sad to see what's left in the Mountain West. But that's just the way college football has gone, obviously. 
Well, Brent, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck with the win. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and thanks for coming on. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Brent Brigham, Air Force beat writer from the Gazette in Colorado Springs, where the wind is blowing and the temperatures have dropped into the 40s, and that might impact the Aggie passing game. Good, good luck game. with the wind? Good luck with the wind, man. <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> good luck with the wind? How do you have good luck with the wind? Uh, nothing like a tree doesn't blow over and fall on your house. That's bad luck. Right. So have so some how do you good, have luck. good luck. That's the not good luck. The tree stands up and doesn't fall on your house. So I got a tree in my front yard. If it doesn't blow on my house today, I've got good That's luck. That's a good day. <laughs> you ever had a tree fall on your house? It's bad news. Right. That's bad luck. So have good news. Have the thing stay in the air. <laughs> You're overanalyzing. <laughs> All right. You're over <laughs> Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. <laughs> At 9.30, Sun Devils and the Cougars. We'll talk with him coming up. We got your predictions, plus the random fun topic of the day. This actually took off, PK. People embrace this. I knew it would. DJ and PK will get to it next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies open Mountain West Conference play with a trip to the Air Force Academy for a showdown against the Falcons. Hear all the pregame action beginning with the Aggie pregame show this Saturday at 4.30 on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, guess what we have? I don't know. What do we got? Surprise! We got BYU-Arizona State tickets. Yuck. Yuck, do you want to do some long contest where you have to pick winners and your head explodes and people yell at you for picking the wrong person because somebody else was lying and just made it up? No. How about caller 12, Yuck? That works. 855-340-ZONE right now. Caller 12. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. BYU-Arizona State tickets. 815 tomorrow night. Provo. PK, you put a question up on Facebook. What fictional TV bar or restaurant would you like to visit? Yeah, sit there with your buddies, watch a game. Where would you like to go? Legendary shot from a movie or TV. We got a lot of people who uh, have posted on our Facebook page here. They want to go to Cheers. I've been to Cheers. Want to go to where everybody knows your name. That is the most underrated sitcom in the history of sitcoms. Hard to be underrated. That's pretty well thought of. I know. But it doesn't have its name come up with the legends. No, and it should. There's actually two things to see if you're in Boston. There's the... 100 things to see. Well, for Cheers. Yes, there are 200 things. And that's how I uh, found out about this is because I was doing the 200 things. They do those hop-on, hop-off bus tours around town. It takes an hour if you just sit on the bus and, and listen to their narration. But you can get off and walk around whatever you want. Bunker Hill, Paul Revere's house, all that stuff. And so they're driving by and they say, oh, that's the bar that it was, the Cheers was modeled on. Yeah. But there's another place, it's a bar where the set was sold and taken and recreated and turned into a bar. And they're two different places. Hmm. Well, you must have been there, huh? 
Yes. Well, as I told you, I was on the tour. That's how I know about it. All right, don't bog us down in detail. It's all for fun. Ryan says the rooftop of Caesar's Palace. Is that from Hangover when they uh, leave the dude up there and then forget where they left him? Carolina wants to go to the mess tent and mash, LOL, although probably not for the food. Now, mash is the most overrated sitcom. It really isn't. It is. It, it was is. very good. You no, know, it sucked. It's the same episode every time. The mess tent and mash would have been out uh, somewhere uh, just inland a little bit from Malibu. There's a few canyons back in there that they okay, pretended were. It's not were. real. It's fictional, Korea. brother. That's why I said they pretended it was Korea. <laughs> That's where the set was. I hate it when you know stuff. Multiple people want to go to the Regal Beagle. The Regal Beagle. Three's Company. The dumbest sitcom (laughs) of all time. (laughs) That was a pretty dumb sitcom. I'll give you that one. I think you and I are on the same page there. Talk about a show where every episode was the same. I don't remember any of them. I know where you want to go. You and I should road trip to this. As technology gets better, we should just like there, you put can't the thing. Go. It's fictional. Not to this place. <laughs> we can't go to this place. We should just put the, the little broadcast thing right in between us. We'd be wearing the headsets, driving around the road, doing the show, cross country, baby. What? Louis Restaurant, where Salazzo and McCluskey were gunned down over veal. It was a restaurant. It's in the Bronx, but now it's a fabric shop. We missed it, PK. It's too late. The restaurant's gone. Classic scene from The Godfather. Of course, the hardcores remember, but if you just casually watched that thing one time and didn't think it was a great movie because you were wrong. No no one watches it casually one time. You would still know this scene. McCluskey had it coming to him. He absolutely did. McCluskey was dirty. It was sweet. He was dirty. Oh, yeah, he was, man. The Irish cop. That's the only jobs the Irish could get. My grandfather, Irish, came over Ellis Island, cop. Real. Would you like to go to the uh, the compound? Now, it wasn't a restaurant, but when the uh, after the hits, when everyone had to bunker down, and they were in there and, and cooking the... Uh, and one guy gives the other guy the lesson on how to cook the... Uh, I guess it was Michael getting the lesson... We're getting a lesson on how to cook the, uh, the proper Italian food, the sausage, the sauce. I get hungry every time I see that scene. Like, that looks good. <laughs> that looks real good. I like to go to Kelsey's. Where's Kelsey's? New York. Scene of? That's where Archie would go. Oh, he'd go to Kelsey's. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of places you can't really go, we have people who say they want to go to Moe's. People send in his gifts. That's the bar Homer Simpson goes to in The Simpsons. But that's it's a cartoon bar. How do you go there? It's a fictional. You can go to Moe's, sure. Yeah. Absolutely you can go to Moe's. Yeah, no doubt about it. Eric says, I'll tell you about two I actually did visit. Los Poyos Hermanos and Doghouse, both in Albuquerque, both featured in Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was out of there, yes. Been to Albuquerque many times. Rick's Cafe American. 
Jewel sends that in. I don't know. I need some help on that. I need some explanation. Somebody sending us a gift now with uh, Humphrey Bogart with that, so I guess maybe one of his movies. Humphrey Bogart? Wow, we're going back. That's old school. I don't know his movies, so I can't help you with that one. Yeah. Is that where the line of all the gin joints? I know the line, even though I don't know the movie. You had to walk into this one? There's a cool place uh, in Colorado, Steve Martin. What was that movie? He had the big nose. Daryl Hannah was in it. Daryl Hannah and I once locked eyes on each other at the forum in the hallway. What was that movie? I don't know. You didn't see the movie? It was good. Roxanne. Roxanne. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good movie. And they had a they had a place there where uh he they hung out. Look it looked cool. In the ski town. I think it was like... Uh, uh, you say ski towns in Colorado. I think, it was think Nicholson Bale losing his mind at 14,000 feet in The Shining. That wasn't a ski town, though. That bar it? in that hotel up there. This is a hotel. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Rod. He has been joining us all morning long from Lend Right Mortgage. He can help you save money. We all know the... Cost of housing has been going through the roof, so if you can save some money in that process, you got to do it because prices are just going crazy. And other lenders can't compete with LendRight Mortgage. Why is that, Rod? Yeah, the reason is just because we're an independent mortgage broker, so we can take you to any lender in the in our network that has the best rates and fees. So. For each client, we individually shop to find you the scenario with one of our lenders that has the lowest cost in terms of rate and closing fees. So if your rate's over 3% right now, uh, 3% or higher, you absolutely need to do our freedom loan, do a no-cost refi, and drop that rate because rates on a 30-year fixed are in the twos right now and on the eight to 15 year terms, they're in the ones. So with those savings and doing it with the freedom loan where there's absolutely zero closing costs added to your balance, we can knock that rate down and help you pay that loan off sooner. So different people are looking for uh, different uh, loans. Some people want 30 years, some people want 15, some people want fixed, some people want adjustable. How does it work with the rates and the ones? Who can you really target and help with that? Yeah, so those uh, those people are like say if if they're into a thirty year term, a few years, and they don't want to go back to a thirty, we can knock that rate down into the one, and we can set the term uh, in one year increments. So, an starting from an eight to a fifteen year term, you can get that rate in the ones that'll help you save a ton in interest. How do people get a hold of you? They want to know more. They've heard this. They got questions. How do they reach out to you? Yeah, the best way to do it is uh, call us at 801 Approve, and one of our team members would be happy to answer any questions and give you a free, no obligation quote right over the phone and then email it to you. Or you can log on and uh, fill out our form at lendrightmortgage.com. Lendright Mortgage on the phone at 801 Approve. 801 Approve or lendrightmortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. This week's Las Vegas Raiders game against the Pittsburgh Steelers is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. 
All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Go Raiders, man. I'm developing into my favorite team. The Raiders. You mean we're in the silver and black soon? Oh, if somebody gives me gear, sure. He's got a lot of gear. I'll wear whatever. I wouldn't be shocked if he already had it. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked either. I don't think I have. Really? You'll get it soon enough. There's enough reasons, one reason or another, to, for you to be in Vegas every three or four months. Well, so and, you didn't buy a hat while you were down there this yeah, past time. Yeah, get a hat or a shirt or something. Yeah. I expect you to show up at the first tee at some point golfing wearing a Raider shirt. <laughs> Can we get the spiked shoulder pads? You're more hat, you're more hat guy than uh, shirt guy. But it wouldn't shock me. I find myself following the Raiders. They're on our station. Lincoln, Kennedy, and I... We've gone to Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> he does their, he's their color analyst with Brent Musburger. Exciting, exciting game the other night. See what they can do. All right, big games this weekend. Who's fired up? Oh, I am. Predictions. Yeah, I'm gonna be What's watching. happening? I'm probably going to watch 10 hours of college football tomorrow. That's solid. Yeah. Got nothing in the early window? Oh, yeah. I got uh, well, then, Oklahoma and uh, Nebraska, right, at 10 o'clock. Then you got Colorado and Minnesota at 11. 11 a.m., yeah. Then I got uh, SC and Washington State. Those are two teams that are on both BYU and Utah's schedule to come. I got to watch that. That Get preps it. you for four games watching that game. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's very important to have a clue what you're talking about. I want to keep this job as long as possible. <laughs> it helps you've actually seen the games. Yeah. Plus, that game's at 1.30. When you yeah, said yeah, 10 yeah. hours, that's where I thought you were dialing in. Because I got that one circled, too. It's on Big Fox at 1.30. Oh, I will be dialed in on that one. The other well, when one, you said I'll 10 hours, But that one, for sure. I figured you were just picking a round number. Yeah, Because 1.30... Until probably pretty close to midnight with BYU. Okay, more than that. Because it's 8.15, it'll, you probably won't well, pick until 25 or 8.30. Bathroom time, too. You know, I'm not uh, watching. <laughs> good, good, thanks. <laughs> leave so when I heard you say 10 go, hours, go, I go. thought, yeah, the 10 a.m. window, it's got some stuff, but it's not that good. I mean, then Oklahoma, Nebraska. But I'm going to watch. I'll have it on. Oklahoma, roll. What else? I'll get up, go to the gym. I, I mold the lawn. Earlier in the week, so, so you're I would good be to go there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I literally made a conscious decision of when to mow the lawn, so I wouldn't have to waste time on Saturday. I don't find Colorado very interesting, but I have to say, but I find them Utah. more. I find them more interesting <laughs> after right. That game's a long way away, but I find them more well, interesting so? after the Texas A&M game because I was watching it. It did get my attention, not at the start, I'll admit, but. Later on, as it got into it, I'm like, well, they're still leading AM. Yeah, this we're is we're a week super away from scoring. starting conference play. True story. So those games matter. That's why that USC Washington State game really, for, for a game that doesn't involve a local team, that's the one that really got me. Because the Utes play them next week. Well, and they're going to have a new coach. I want to see. They're the yes. favorite. Does the door fling wide open? Is it Utah's to grab? If Utah has a nice bounce back win, they get some momentum going into next week. Washington State at home. Uh, Washington State, it's very, the game of Washington State is next week. So certainly I've got to watch them this week. There's no question I'm really about it. I'm with USC because it can go either way, and we're not close enough. To know. The only people in USC who could possibly know is that somehow you've got some friend who's real close to the program. 
SC can fall apart now. The goals are hard to reach. The coach is gone. Everybody does their own thing and unravels. Uh, or yeah, I mean, us against the world. Nobody believes in it. It's the administration whacked our coach. in the moment. So, All that other they, stuff doesn't mean anything so to the players. So if they go out and they beat up on Washington State and feel good about themselves, Great. they could get on a roll. Or they could lose the following week. <laughs> I don't try to interpret long range. I take the games for what they are. And what do I see? What do I like? What do I don't like? And then, yeah, I've got plenty of folks down there who know about SC, and then I can go back and forth. I don't know that I'm going to draw any conclusions three weeks later on a Ute game. I'd be To me, any conclusions I'm going to draw is going to be about Washington State because the Utes play them next, next week. week. So that's far more important to me. And we already watched them once because Utah State got them in the opener. I broke down film of them playing Portland State. Yeah. What'd you learn? They're better than Portland State. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> so all these games, and then the, the, the SC game in Washington State leads me right into the Utes. You know, maybe I'll have an hour or so or a half hour in between that game where I can eat some more. Nice. And uh, so I'll, yeah, t- tomorrow, as they are every day, for or every Saturday, I should say, uh, it's one of the most important days of the week for us in the fall, in the football season. Absolutely. You know, these are our guys. They're our teams. We have to buckle down on them big time. So it's only natural that I'd be doing that. We're starting to get into streaming territory here. The Big 12 has three games streaming. We're going to start following the Big 12 now. <laughs> Well, if you want to watch Nevada, Kansas State, ESPN Plus is the place to go. I'm not going to watch. Start educating yourself on the Big 12. I don't have ESPN Plus. Me neither. We're going to need it at some point. Oh, I don't need it now. Nebraska, Oklahoma is the morning game on Big Fox. I already so said that. You're rock solid there. Yeah, I already said Oklahoma that. Oklahoma State, Boise State in primetime. That's on FS1. Uh, that'll be a flick during commercials. I'm not obsessing about the Big 12 now. If Kalani's not obsessing, why should I? What about Boise State? Playing Utah State and BYU. I'll be aware of that, but I'm not going to be locked down on it. I'll be locked down on our guys. At 7 o'clock when it kicks off, you'll have uh, it would be your third priority then because the Utes and Aggies will both be going at that point. Yeah. But they'll end. It'll still be going. And so during that BYU game, that'll be a good second game to but go I'll, to. Yeah, I'll have the computer open. I'll have the computer and the television. Boise State getting a Big 12 team at home and favored by three and a half on the blue turf. I told you I listened to this uh, serious Channel 84. Danny Cannell was talking about this yesterday morning. You think you got a big TV? Which you do. Obviously, you think you've got one. That's a fact. Well, I did. Not anymore. That's an old bite now. The world has evolved since then. That's oh, so you got a bigger TV? Because no, no. no one goes smaller, buddy. I know. So I have the same TV, but TVs have gotten bigger. But to you, it's a big TV. If I love someone, I saw the ninety, and she's beautiful to me. She may not be beautiful to everybody else, but she's beautiful to me, and that's all that counts. Don't run from it. You have a big TV. TV. I will let you know when I get it. I don't care when you get it. You've seen it at Costco. I got you. This is like the NCA and the Sun Devils. I've got you on tape. 
I got a big TV. <laughs> edited. It's not edited. It is not edited. That is not edited. It's absolutely edited. It is not edited. If you didn't have it edited, it wouldn't be here now. It's edited. Not in the form. Alt, when you say edited, you mean altered. Possibly. I was using that to my benefit. I'm a wordsmith. Don't what try is the to, definition of is? Don't try, thank you, Bill. <laughs> so what was Danny Cannell's point? Big TV. What was his point? I'm telling you, big TV. <laughs> you think you got a big TV? He was talking about LG has put out, I think it's like 345 inches. Oh! Big TV. So his co-host, he says, how much do you think it costs? Guy says, well, you know, back back in the day, you know, you'd get a 40-incher and it'd be way more expensive than they are now because they've come down, blah, blah, blah. So he says, $8,000. Danny says, no. $1.7 million. <laughs> wow. For, for a big screen TV, 345 inch that's television. 345, that's almost 10 yards. A 360 inch TV would be 10 yards. You're going to need a bigger wall for that, DJ. <laughs> that's... I got a big TV, but I got a small wall. Man, what a dilemma. <laughs> that's almost uh, that's almost outdoors putting on top of the stadium time, right? Well, they were comparing it to the Jerry World uh, to oh, okay. the deal go. that they yeah. got going on there. They had some excellent uh, big screens and all that uh, in uh, the Allegiant Stadium, as you would imagine. They had three of them. One huge one and then two smaller ones, which are still very big, obviously. Uh, the opposite corners. So they got that going on there. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the thing about it, man. You can actually get more out of the game by staying at home. That's why everyone is putting in light rings and multiple big screens in stadiums because uh, athletic directors and uh, presidents of pro clubs are well aware of that. Yeah. You can stay at home. You save, right, right away you save the money on parking. The food's way cheaper at home. Whatever food and beverage you want is way less expensive. Oh, and if you, yeah. if you go to a game and it's a bad game, you're at that game. But if you're at home on TV and it's a bad game, boom, you're on to the next game. Yeah, nobody wants to see their team get slaughtered. You want but to see your team win There is something about big. watching your team win with the crowd of people who are just as excited oh, yeah. as you are. And that's what well, keeps people coming to stadiums. Sure, and... More often than not, like I got a friend, he's got, uh, his brother has season tickets, his parents have season tickets for the Utes, and so it's the experience of it all. Yep. The game isn't secondary, but it, the game in college football, since that's our market and we don't have a pro team, the game is part of the experience. It's not the exclusivity of the experience. Most people, when they come to a jazz game, particularly on the weeknights, that is the experience. Weekend's probably a little bit different because you can go out to eat before. But with work and whatnot, and you're hustling to get down to the arena. And maybe you're coming from downtown already. But the game is the experience. In college football here and everywhere, it is part of the experience. And that's what makes it cool. Win or lose. It's the experience. That you have the day long, the the buddies, the the wife, the kids, the grandparents, whatever it might be. So it's all it's a very cool experience. Yeah, 
Absolutely. All, all part of it. And that's what sets it apart, as we know. There is this, 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 is a, this is a huge weekend for so many reasons. Because for BYU, a win puts them on the national stage. And the win sets up Dream Big. Huge. Yeah. You'll be favored in every you'll, game. You'll have beaten two ranked teams. Whether you, they deserve to be ranked at the end of the season remains to be seen. But at the time, they thought they were supposed to be ranked. So they believed they were really good. BYU had a message for Utah. We're better than you this year. Mission accomplished. ASU remains to be seen. But to go 3-0 and in the South, that, that says something. They wouldn't let you in. So screw you. Can't join them, beat them. A reversal. The reverse. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, the reversal of that phrase. And it sets themselves up to have a second banner season. Doesn't mean they will, but it's far more likely. And for the Utes, all right, we reestablished ourselves. Or, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. You lose one non-con game in a decade, and then two in eight days can't we've happen. We've lost two te- two twice to non-power fives. Teams say, we thought we left behind in a rearview mirror. I was going to say that's the worst part. Yeah, losing to two lesser teams. Now, I, yeah, but see, lesser by some designation per, per, perception. I happen to think they're two of the better non-power five programs. They have been. But nonetheless, when you're in back-to-back mm-hmm. Pac-12 games, you don't think you're looking up at BYU and San Diego State. You think you're looking down. And yeah. a lot of times we'll rip fan bases, but the fact is all of college football would agree with you. Well, you are looking down at those programs. And I think you want to be able to say, when it's said and done, we never lost a game in Carson, California. 1-0 all-time, baby. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> right? I think you want to be able to say that. So, and then you got Aggie here, the Blake Anderson magic. Did he capture yeah, lightning in a on? bottle what's with these transfers on? and win, so forth? Get to three and zero. Oh? Yeah, none of us, none of us would have bet on the Aggies being three and zero, oh, walking See? out of Colorado. He Springs. may have the SC job locked up by Thanksgiving, <laughs> <laughs> or earlier. <laughs> He continues to win. Take down Boise. Take down the Cougars. Make a pretty big splash. The greatest first season in the history of the state of Utah. Great. Passing. He's on track. Passing Urban Meyer. Yeah, or, or Croton. Croton, yeah. 10-2 and 12-2. and, 12 and two. Those are great first seasons for yep. sure. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and we are joined right now. By Rod from Lendright Mortgage. And Rod, you've got a freedom loan that goes beyond, I think, what people usually expect out of loans. You start covering closing costs, zero. That's a number people like, isn't it? What we can do to other lenders out there, we'll get you the same rate or lower, and we cover 100% of those closing costs for you. So that if your rate Right now, if you're at 3% or above on your interest rate, you're absolutely throwing away money on interest. We can refi you with the Freedom Loan, cover 100% of those closing costs, so there's nothing added to your loan balance. It doesn't cost you anything to do it. 
and we put you in a lower interest rate in the twos on a 30-year term, and you start saving money right away. Helps you pay the loan off sooner and saves you anywhere from 15% or more on your total interest paid. So when we're talking about a mortgage loan, that's tens of thousands of dollars. So again, if your rate is 3% or higher, absolutely stop throwing away that money on a higher interest rate. Let us cover all your closing costs with the Freedom Loan and get your lower rate. And other lenders aren't offering deals like this. How come they can't compete? What have you got? Where's the edge? Yeah, our edge is in the fact that we're an independent mortgage broker. Our cost of business, our business model is a very streamlined, low-cost model. And with the ability to shop the premier lenders in the country, we can find you the absolute lowest combination of rate and fees. So that's where our advantage is. How do people get a hold of you if they want to know more? You've uh, you've intrigued them. They're in the middle of a pretty expensive process. We all know where uh, where home costs have gone. Yawk's head is bobbing up and down. <laughs> he's been horrified by what he's seen. So if they want to save some money here, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, the best thing to do is uh, talk to one of our team members. Uh, call us at 801-APPROVE or visit us online at lendrightmortgage.com. LendRightMortgage.com or pick up the phone at 801-APPROVE. That's 801-APPROVE. Thank you, Rod. Thank you. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After their emotional win against the Utes, BYU welcomes in another Pac-12 opponent as Arizona State rolls into Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time to welcome in Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Doug, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. We are curious. How is Arizona State? 2-0 and and nationally ranked. You feeling like that's legit or you got questions? What are you thinking? Well, I think anyone who's watched them uh, would have questions. Uh, they've played Southern Utah and UNLV. And, and maybe, even though if you look at the scores, they won uh, pretty easily, uh, I think, you know, maybe they played two good quarters um, during those eight, uh, probably the last two quarters against Vegas this past Saturday. The defense finally came together. The offense showed some signs. But other than that, you know, the passing game is a question mark. The defensive line has not been as good as everyone expected. So, yeah, going into this game, there, I think there are still some questions about how good this team really is. Doug, I got a great story idea for you. You, you don't even need to thank me. You'll love this story. <laughs> RSL is Major League Soccer team here in Salt Lake, I'm sure, as you probably know. And their coach, their interim coach, is a graduate of Thunderbird High School right there right. on 19th and Thunderbird. So it's a great local story. Plus, Doug, not only 
Is that the connection? But myself, I am a graduate of Thunderbird High School, and your longtime friend, Scott Bordeaux, is a graduate of Thunderbird High School. Man, I mean, the, the connections are just overwhelming, Doug. Yeah, those are three legends right there. Um, <laughs> you know, coming out of, of Thunderbird High. You don't see that very often. And I think probably the only thing that compares uh, isn't uh, Stan Musial and King Griffey Jr. from the same hometown. Um, so maybe, you know, right along those lines. Maybe not quite to that level of two Hall of Famers, but we're, we're really, really close. Yogi Berra and Joe Garagiola on the same street in St. Louis. How about that? Same neighborhood, yep. Yeah, we're, we're definitely in that same neighborhood with those three. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson and Janice Joplin were high school teammates or classmates. <laughs> no, that one I, I did not know. I would not have guessed. That is definitely an eye couple right there. So you mentioned that passing game and... We're waiting, waiting, waiting. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I mean, they got all these receivers. It seems like they got one four-star after another, but I don't know that they can even gain four yards in the past game. What is going on, and what can happen to what needs to happen to make it be more proficient? Yeah, uh, you know that, that was kind of a storyline last year as well. Uh, Jaden Daniels came in his first year. You know, he, he had pretty good receiver to throw to in Brandon Ayuk, who turned out to be a number one draft pick. Um, did Brandon Ayuk help out make Jaden look a little bit better uh, than what he was at the time? Maybe. Uh, but, that you know, that may have worked both ways. Um, but it, you're, you're right. A couple years ago they brought in, I think, four receivers uh, who were ranked as four stars coming out of high school. Um, so there was a lot of excitement. Uh, Johnny Wilson, 6'7 kid from California, L.B. Bunkley-Shelton was another one. Chad Johnson, um, Jr., his dad played in the NFL. So there was a lot of excitement. And it's just, I mean, last year you could see it. Um, they just kind of weren't on the same page. They didn't have that chemistry. And then, you know, this year it's pretty much the same thing. I'm a little bit surprised because they've had a full offseason without any, you know, COVID restrictions to kind of iron that out. But not much has changed. And it's not all on the young receivers. You know, Jaden Daniels is in his third year now, and, you know, he's, you know, so, I mean, in practice, just when, when things were open a little bit more, you know, he was overthrowing Johnny Wilson. You know, Johnny Wilson's six foot seven. Um, you know, so, and, and, and even in the first two games, we've seen some, you know, some passes that he's completed, but, you know, there, it's, the receivers have kind of had to break off their, their routes a little bit to, 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 to wait for it, or he throws behind him a little bit. So that is a concern. Now, you know, we made a big deal here locally about who's the number one guy, who's it going to be. Maybe they don't need a number one guy. Maybe you could do it by committee. I don't know the answer to that. But it's definitely uh, uh, something to watch. The running game solid. The passing game uh, remains a work in progress. So, Rachad White, is he uh, going to fight? I think all Utah fans here remember Eno Benjamin uh, having big games against Utah and going off the NFL and being really good. Is, is White cut from the same cloth? Yeah, well, they're different. Um, you know, Eno was a pure running back. Rashad is, I mean, he's a little bit more versatile. Um, Rashad could be, you know, I think probably a receiver if he wanted to be. Um, and they use him that way, too. They, they throw the ball a lot to him. But he's just a guy that when you, put the, when you put the ball in his hands, you know, he ends up getting seven, eight, nine, ten yards every time he touches the ball. Um, he averaged ten yards a carry last year, and, you know, that's impressive. It was over only four games. So, I, you know, stretched out to a regular season that he, he would have averaged that, but it was still impressive. Yeah, I think six 50-yard uh, plays. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's explosive. He can make things happen. 
Um, good speed, good size. He's, he's going to be a factor in just about every game they play. So defensively, they got everybody in their dog back. I know they had the injury up front on the defensive line. Uh, but other than that, they return everybody, and it sure didn't look like it in the first two drives against Vegas. But then after that, they clamped down. What's going on there? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say disappointment, but you know, not the defense. Not that you know, we they talked all all preseason about domination, which is you know that's preseason talk for a lot of programs. But you know, when you when you return, as you mentioned, um, all eleven starters until you know, their star defensive tackle went down with a season-ending injury. And not only that, but their entire second team returned. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a veteran group. Uh, they played a lot of games. Their entire secondary came back for their sixth season or their, their extra COVID season. Some it's for, for some, it's their sixth. For some, it's their fifth. So these guys have seen just about everything. Um, and it really just hasn't materialized the way we – I think the way people thought – Losing Jermaine Lole up front, he was, you know, an All-American candidate to enter the season. That that's huge, and I think people are now just kind of understanding how big that is. The the, the defensive front has not gotten the, the four-man pressure um, that they did last year with Jermaine in there. Um, and then you know with UNLV, you mentioned I mentioned and you, you pointed out the second half. You know what really kind of turned it around is they had to start sending extra pre- you know, more pressure, uh, blitzing a linebacker, and you know it worked. I mean, they really shut down Vegas in the second half, changed the game. But I think they were a little bit concerned that they had to go to that just to make a difference. That You know, they couldn't get the four-man pass rush with, the, with their front out there. Um, the linebackers have been pretty good. Darian Butler has been real playing at a high level. He's a four-year starter. Um, Kyle Soleil has always been solid. Merlin Roberts has been there for four years. And then the, the secondary has been pretty, pretty solid. But I think everything needs to start with the improvement up front. So Kyle Whittingham said that they lost the game to BYU in the trenches, and he came back on his Monday press conference and said, BYU just pushed the Utah defensive front around, and he couldn't remember the last time they got pushed around like that. When you hear that, combined with what you've seen from ASU, what is your expectations for BYU's ability to run the ball? Yeah, that's going to be the big thing. Um, that anytime Kyle Whittingham says that about, I mean, a Utah given their their reputation and what they've done in the Pac-12, uh, that's something that you kind of underline and highlight. Um, and, and given the fact that Arizona State has you know not been as good as expected up front, that that bodes well. That does not bode well for Arizona State. Um, they've been fairly good uh, against the run, uh, but you know it's it's really hard to, you know, look at Southern Utah and UNLV, and they might go on to have good seasons, but it's hard to kind of compare that to what BYU has done with BYU playing two Pac-12 opponents to start off. You know, I think, B- I think Arizona State's going to play better on Saturday. I do. I think they'll play their best game that we've seen so far. I don't know if it's going to be good enough to win, especially on the road, especially, you know, the timing, you know, playing them at week three, given where they are and where Arizona State is. Uh, but that – I mean, I think that's that's probably the storyline of the game going into it for sure. So the good news, though, is the last time the Sun Devils used the fullback like they have in Case Hatch, I think they went to the Rose Bowl. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, come on, Case Hatch, he's our guy. Yeah, Case Hatch. Um, I just wrote a story <laughs> about this on the Athletic Keys. I think after two games, I you know, <laughs> if anyone ever picks an offensive MVP after two games, he would get my vote. Um it just seems like he's out there, and they don't use him 
you know, he's not out there every play, but when he does, good things happen. Um, he's been, they've, I think Arizona State has uh, nine rushing touchdowns, and he's delivered a key block on seven of them. Um, you know, like most linebackers came into the program as a, he was actually a walk-on, he was a linebacker. Uh, you know, given their depth there, he switched to fullback, and, you know, Arizona State has not used a fullback like a lot of schools in many, many years. So there's a lot of excitement around him. He's a local kid. Uh, and he kind of has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. You know, he, he wanted to go to BYU. Um, growing up, he got a scholarship offer there, and uh, then they had the coaching change, and Bronco left, and, you know, they stopped recruiting him. And so he, you know, he says he's had this game circle for a while. He was disappointed with last year's game. Didn't happen because of COVID, but he knows, uh, he said about half the BYU team, and you know, he's already informed his better friends on that team that be ready because he's coming full speed. We like to call him Brother Hatch up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he, he has a really difference. And that's one thing Arizona State has been able to do, and one thing I think they will be able to do, uh, regardless of who they play. I think with, you know, we haven't mentioned their offensive line. Uh, but, you know, they have four starters back. And, you know, last year they proved that they could run the ball even when teams kind of stack the box against them. So I think they will be able to do that, um, especially with Case back there, uh, not only with Rashad White, who you brought up earlier, but they have another back, uh, Diamante Trainum, who's really good. Didn't play last week, and his status for this week is, is unknown, but uh, that's like a really good one-two punch. Uh, so they will be able to run the ball. And, you know, and, and last week Jaden Daniels showed that he can – escape a little bit i think people thought he you know decided to run a little too early and of waiting on his receiver but uh uh they'll be able to do that now whether or not they'll be able to uh you know move the chains or score through the passing game i think that's <laughs> that's the, that's the Plus question their uh, their center had missed some practices earlier in a week is he gonna play donovan west uh yeah he's a he's an all pac 12 player uh you know probably will finish his college career whenever that is as, as an All-American. He's that good. He's, he's their center, and he did miss a couple practices earlier this week, but he was on the field uh, yesterday. We got to watch, I think, 10 minutes, and he looked like he was a full participant. Now, <laughs> who knows? They could have yanked him off as soon as we left the, the practice facility, but he did, he was out there and, and running drills and lined up for uh, you know 11-on-11 work as we were walking out. Doug Howler joining us, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. Uh, with the conference realignment, Domino, Domino's falling. There are plenty of stories out there about the Big 12 is looking at other Power 5 teams. And I read that Pac-12 teams might be interested unless the Pac-12 gets a lucrative TV contract that's worth way more than the Big 12 contract. I assume they're alluding to the Arizona State schools, Arizona and Arizona State, that those have been uh, you know, mentioned for a long time. What do you think the level of interest is there? Well, yeah, you're right. That, that's been out there for a long, long time. Um, and I remember, I can't remember, I think the last time all the realignment stuff uh, happened, which was, gosh, I don't even know, it was three or four years ago now, maybe even longer. Um, I, I talked to Ray Anderson, the, the Arizona State Athletic Director, about that. And you know, even before I got it all out, he, <laughs> he was pretty against it. He's like, no, we're happy where we are. Uh, and just knowing Michael Crow, their school president, I know he um, feels like they're aligned exactly where they should be in the Pac-12. I, I would be really, really, really stunned if that happened. I think a lot of stuff would would have to happen, and, and um, their confidence would have to be shaken. Um, not and not only you know with how the Pac-12 is done 
and football, but on a whole different level for them to, to look to go elsewhere. At least for the time being now, knowing that stuff will come down down the line, has the investigation sort of quieted relative to the team playing week to week now? Yeah, I think it has. Um, you could still feel uh, the pressure from it. Um, just being, I mean, I, mean I, I argue with fans about this all the time. They say there's not, this is not a big deal. And I just have to remind them, like, this football team has three <laughs> new assistant coaches because of this investigation. It's, you know, I, a lot of it, people point fingers to me in the media for making this a bigger deal. Uh, the university suspended the three the three assistant coaches, and, and yeah, they they backfilled those. They have some capable guys that they had in support roles that they were able to to move into those positions. But at the same time, that stresses the support staff. You know, things that GAs did and analysts did before. You know, now those those responsibilities have to go to other people. Um, and it wasn't like they had a whole off season to prepare with new coaches. I mean, <laughs> one happened a month before practice started, and uh, two were suspended. Uh, a couple weeks into practice. So I think that's part of it. Um, also, you know, at some point, the NCAA is going to start interviewing coaches uh, on the staff. And, you know, that's probably going to happen during the season. You know, <laughs> what is that going to look like? I mean, are coaches going to be wondering, you know, what another coach is saying to the NCAA? I mean, it's, it's, it has been different. Um, you know, Herm Edwards has said it's not been a distraction. That's impossible. Uh, I think there's a sense that we really need to have a good year this year because no one really knows what next season's going to look like. Doug, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show, and we will probably bug you again before the Utah-Arizona State game. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, that's, that's coming up quickly. But, no, I appreciate you having me. Doug Howler, Arizona State writer for The Athletic, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback, everything you got to say about today's show. And we will do that coming up next. A reminder, a lot of college football, but a lot of teams on the road. BYU is at home, but uh, the Utes and and Utah State are both hitting the road. Weber State is home, and Weber State fans, your ninth-ranked football team takes on number 3-ranked James Madison Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Purchase your tickets now at WeberStateSports.com or by calling 801-626-8500. 801-626-8500. These two teams have played some good games in the postseason. Now they're meeting in the regular season tomorrow night in Ogden. 801-626-8500. Number three versus number nine. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Mm-mm-mm-mm. This week's Las Vegas Raiders game against the Pittsburgh Steelers is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Did you know that Razkaz, Absol, Reason, they're all rappers from Carson? No idea. <laughs> is that like Thunderbird High? Is that the rival? Thunderbird has to crank out as many famous people as Carson. Oh, Carson's got way more. They got a slew of rappers. And then they got uh, some football players who uh, either decided to go to Carson or Banning. They were the big rivals back when I lived there. Vince Ferragamo played at Banning. And later in the Super Bowl. Correct. His brother was the longtime coach at Banning. Those days are long gone, though. 
The Game, that rapper, he lived in Carson between stages 7 and 15 while he was in foster care. A lot of rap, Dr. Dre, a lot of rappers coming out of Carson. What brought this on? You just said Carson. They're playing Carson, California. Yes, they are. So you looked up Carson. (laughs) And you think I look up random stuff? It's not random. Okay. That was like right next to where I lived. It's like five minutes away from Carson. It's not random. It's my hood. I could go to Carson and nobody would sweat me. And I got a good friend whose daughter is a sheriff in Carson. Carson's like my second home. My wife got her master's degree from Dominguez Hills. That's in Carson. It's not your second home. It'd be like your eighth home. <laughs> Sandy is your first home. That's good Jersey is your original home. You got all these Phoenix ties. You got Pedro. I moved Four. around. Carson's what can five. I tell you? Carson's five. <laughs> See, you moved it up. It just I moved did. up three spots. I did. I didn't know whether to give Tempe and Phoenix separate because that was one uh, way I dropped it down to six. I'd probably go Tempe ahead yeah. of Carson. And I also didn't know East Orange and South Orange if I have to count those separate. West Orange. West Orange. Well, East Orange is my father. West Orange is my mother. Okay. Distinct differences between the two. East and West Orange. Ten- oh, never mind. Question of the day. Big games galore this weekend. What are your predictions? Mike Scotty Toddy. It's Mike Scotty Toddy. I like it. Says BYU is going 3-0 and with a 36-24 win over Arizona State. He believes Utah State is going 3-0 and by rolling Air Force 38-17. Really? And... He believes San Diego State will take down Utah 33-20. to 20. 33, that's a little bit of an odd number in football. It is. Uh, well, Doug Heller from The Athletic seemed to think that BYU has a really good chance to win. Thinks that, uh, I, can't, I can't say the Devils are paper tigers, but they're not who they're cracked up to be. <laughs> Something to be said for being a little uh, tested and toughened at this point. As long as you win, yeah. Right. And the, and BYU has. So and exactly. Precisely. Yes. And that goes to Kalani's point about depth, that in previous years they could win games, but there'd be an injury, and they didn't have the depth, and they couldn't sustain it. I think they won a couple big games before they went to Michigan, and they got blown well, out of Michigan. Well, not just injury, but just resting guys during the course of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Making, yeah. Rotating. Because the, the only injury that they've that. had right now of any significance is Ellis, the cornerback, right? Oh, Romney, but he did play. He said there's no structural damage, and he plans on playing again tomorrow. Romney, you're speaking of? Yeah, he said that to the media earlier this week. Yeah, yeah. well, he played last week, yeah, so he, I'd assume he'd play. He was all taped up, but he, well, he caught, caught a, a touchdown pass. pass. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, predictions for the weekend. Guthrie in southern Utah says, my prediction is that my barbecue will be on point. The football will be good if the food that's is good. That's not a prediction, though. That, that's, that's more of a, you know, it's going to come to pass. Like, tomorrow's going to be Saturday. It's not a predi- I'm not predicting we'll send have Saturday your, tomorrow. Send your address over. We'll stop by. Jack says, lots of wins by the best teams in the state. Go Aggies. That's all that matters. The big not- game. Utah State 21, Air Force 7. A lot of big games. At least four big games in our state. Looking forward to tomorrow very much so. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Rod from Lend Right Mortgage. He's got a freedom loan. What does the freedom loan get you, Rod? Yeah, the freedom loan will get you a mortgage refinance of anywhere from 8 to 30-year terms without any closing costs whatsoever. So if your rate is 
3% or higher, you're absolutely throwing away money on an above market interest rate. So we can refi you with that freedom loan, cover 100% of the closing costs so it doesn't cost you a single thing to do it and get you into a lower rate so you can put more money towards savings, towards tickets to the game, that big screen TV, anything but mortgage interest. Pay the, pay the loan off sooner. Uh, so that's what the refi with the Freedom Loan will do for you. Get you the same rate or lower than other lenders will charge you thousands in fees and points to get. Now, you've got rates in the ones, and when I think when people hear that with the way home costs are going, that's just a staggering number and would save a lot of money in the long run. How do rates in the ones work? Yeah, those are for the uh, the shorter term loan. So if you can shorten your term into an 8 to 15 year, we can put you into that. That'll save you tons in interest. When you're on that shorter term, forces way more of your payment to go towards the principal every month. And of course, with a rate in the ones, you're paying way lower interest overall. How do people get a hold of you if they uh, want to get more questions answered and specific questions about their specific situation? Yeah, best thing to do is just pick up the phone and call us. Uh, the phone number is 801-APPROVE, or you can visit us at our website. It's lendrightmortgage.com. LendRightMortgage.com or pick up the phone at 801-APPROVE. Rod, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Have a good weekend.